Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on that hockey show where the game is always on yes the game is always on right here at THS welcome to that hockey show ladies and gentlemen from wherever you are whatever time it is yours truly Mr. Paul Cuthbert holding down the THS studios here on Long Island in New York it is the day after Thursday July 8th congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning on an incredible finish Back-to-back Stanley Cup champions during these quarantine, pandemic year that we've had (laughs) and seasons for those guys. Uh, Incredible. Congratulations. Unbelievable series. Tip of the hat to the Montreal Canadiens for a great run. But it's all over. In five. After the Habs won the game four there and didn't let the uh, Bolts skate around in the Bell Center. They head back to Tampa and a one-goal, one-nothing win there for the Bolts. And it's a beautiful thing, you know, for me personally. Like I said, it doesn't matter who wins the Stanley Cup. You hated rival. I'm, I'm sure the Islander fans didn't like it one single bit, and obviously Montreal Canadian fans as well. But, um, you know, there's nothing like seeing the Stanley Cup uh, brought into an arena and then hoisted by the captain of the winning team, and that is Steve Stamkos and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Just an incredible run for this team these last two years. Winning it last year in the uh, summer quarantine with no fans and no movement, no out-of-the-rooms, no nothing. And uh, you could probably say that was probably the hardest Stanley Cup trophy to win last year. And then they come back in a very short time, 56-game regular season here this year. We've covered it all season long here at THS, and here we are in July, hockey in July, and it's it's finally all over in the and the Bolts do something not too many teams have been able to do, and that's win back-to-back. And you might say, or I will definitely say, just probably two of the hardest Stanley Cup trophies to win. All things considered, uh, most of this season obviously played without fans until the playoffs started. And they, they won it back-to-back. That's just incredible. And this core is still going to be with this team for the next couple of years. They've got some salary cap issues, of course, obviously. But the main crew... I mean, jeez, all you need is Vasilevsky and that, man. Best goaltender in the world. He's only going to be 27 years old. You start there. You got Hedman, Kucherov, Stamkos. Goes on and on and on. I mean, Sergachev. Uh, uh, Tampa's, Tampa's in good shape going forward, so this will be interesting. And, and it's hard to believe, you know, they've been to the finals here. What, this is their third third time losing Chicago a few years back. Getting swept by Columbus. What a story. And getting it done. Through the officiating, through the uh, the Islanders fan base, the ups and downs, two tough rounds against Florida and Carolina. And a uh, Montreal Canadian team, which just like I said, it's just had a great story, a great season, great run, knocking out the Leafs, knocking out the Jets, knocking out the Knights. You know, played a good game too here. Again, Vasilevsky just shutting it down. Couldn't find a way in the first three games. They give uh, Tampa their score, a uh, scare in the fourth. 
And then bring it back to Tampa. Maybe it just works out for Tampa. The storybook ending here, playing in front of their fans, getting to win it in front of the fans, obviously after last year, last summer not being able to do that. And good for them. Good for Steve Stamkos. Good guy. Good hockey guy. Uh, John Cooper, great coach. Great organization. GM Brisbois, uh, just great stuff. Uh, you know, Ryan McDonough is a Ranger fan here. Uh, getting to see him win two cups is bittersweet. You know, our former captain, just a great guy. It's unfortunate uh, he couldn't stay with us. But, you know, congrats to him, his family, everybody. The guys last night having a rip after winning <laughs> press conferences. Oh, man. Kucherov is just legendary. Good stuff. Giving uh, the Habs fans the business. Just, you know, it is. I mean, like I said, those guys, just to win this, you could see it when they won and a celebration in the corner there. And, man, that was brutal at the end. That last melee there right before, if you, if you go back and review it, man, that four or five guys, who just they were dumping each other with cross checks. It was nasty uh, before Tampa was able to clear it out there at the end. But this was just a brutal, brutal, uh, just an entire brutal playoff series with the officiating, the, the, the cross check and the, the, all the, the heads, everything that's going on. And you could see it when they would, they kind of, you know, just behind the net there, and you could see just the angst and the, the emotions, which every team pretty much goes through, you know, when you win the Stanley Cup because uh, from day one, from training camp all the way through, and you get there, and then you could just see it in their faces. And it's, 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 it's something else. And as a hockey fan, it's great, man. You know, I just turned off the phone, threw it to the side, just sat there and watched it, and it never gets dull. I don't care who raises it, you know. And to see Stamkos, see that thing roll down onto the ice and then see Stamkos get it lifted over his head and then that, that team, and then you just see every guy getting it and you think of the stories and look at Maroon winning three in a row and um, just Vasilevsky getting the con Smythe, you know, not even a question uh, what he did throughout the playoffs. And uh, He's young, and that's just a great cornerstone to build around. And they've got two now on the shelf. And we'll get into it with the guys today, as we always do. We'll, uh, you know, as you guys all know, and in case you're listening for the first time, Joe Yurden up in Buffalo is going to join us here uh, out of the gate, and we'll get things going from there. And we'll get uh, Tab Bamford on from Chicago and outside of the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, even Joe, too, in Buffalo, we got some off-ice news going on in, in terms of Buffalo Sabres land and Granado getting the, the job there that uh, we haven't been able to talk about yet uh, as far as the head coaching duties uh, going from interim to head coach there in Buffalo. And Chicago's got some some ugly stuff going on as far as some, uh, you know, news in their past there. And just, uh, it's it's a mess. It's it's unfortunate. Um, looks like Duncan Keith is out. John Taze is coming back. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the Chicago. We'll get into a tab. Uh, and then we'll bring in Costa. Uh, Costa, obviously, a sad day for him and all the Montreal Canadian fans. It was a, a, a great run, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, like everybody else, you hate to see it come to an end. What could have been, you know, game two, they look really good there and just couldn't get past fast. And, and here we are and, uh, it's over. There's nothing you can do. And, uh, it hurts just as equally, uh, for everybody else involved, even though they're a young team and, and kind of were riding this wave this, this year. And, uh, you know, it, it's just good for the franchise going forward, but it's over. So we'll get into that with Casa a little on, and then we'll wrap things up with Steve, you know, out in L.A., Steve Palumbo will join me, as always, and we'll talk about the uh, his take on on the on this run and how the Bolts got there. And we'll, we'll do a little Devils talk as well, too. Very interesting. You know, going forward here on THS, we got the expansion draft coming up and the entry-level draft. 
and we'll get into it with the guys too. Some uh, off ice news is, is that'll be going on here. Uh, you know, as the summer continues, it's July. It's weird. It's weird to be talking the Stanley Cup Finals in July. It's usually always wrapped up in June. We're all at the beach at this time, just waiting for um, free agency, and and then uh, you know the draft would have uh, you know it would already would have happened by now. But uh, this is where we are. This is, uh, you know, a tip of the hat to the NHL, uh, just how they were able to pull off not only the quarantine cup last year, last summer, and then obviously this 56-game uh, season here that we've been covering all season long with this brand-new platform here with uh, that hockey show. And uh, even though the, the Stanley Cup uh, wraps things up for the season and we will continue the show here, I want to personally thank uh, my buds Joey, Tab, Costa, and Steve for doing this with me all year. We're building this new uh, format and we're been having a great time and we can't thank you guys and the fans and everybody for subscribing and sharing and listening and uh, it means so much to us and we're going to keep this thing going and you know knock on wood we're looking forward to a uh, a normal you know obviously we're all getting back to a normal life here definitely down here in the states I know Canada still got some things to work out there as far as COVID's concerned and the pandemic and we wish them all the best up there and that'll be interesting to see how things kind of play out here in the next couple of months with uh, you know, the the full season coming back in uh, the NHL in, in October. And, you know, NBC wraps up last night, too. That was pretty wild, you know, seeing the recap there of their 15 years. I can't believe it's been 15 years with NBC Sports. Uh, but ESPN and TNT is going to take over, so that'll be interesting as well. And we'll talk about all this stuff with all the guys. We'll get their takes, as we always do, every uh, every show here at THS. And uh, we'll roll this out. But, again, uh, congratulations to Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, congratulations to the Montreal Canadiens, man. It was a great, great ride. It was, it was just awesome. Very happy for, uh, got lots of buddies there, like I said, in addition to Costa. Uh, a bunch of buddies up there in Montreal, huge Habs fans. And uh, it was uh, a treat to, uh, to watch these guys uh, cause so much trouble <laughs> and get to the, uh, to the finals. And, and they gave it the best they could against Tampa Bay, which is just a, a super, super team, super franchise. And I still think they got some uh, more to give the NHL. Uh, maybe win maybe one or two more cups here in the next four or five years. We'll see what happens. It's all going to play out. Well, that's enough of me. It's time now to head up to the great city of Buffalo. Hang out with our good buddy, Mr. Joe Yard, who I think was drinking the Coucher <laughs> last night. What's up, buddy? How are you? Doing great, Paulie. Season's finally over. I can't believe it. It's done. I can't, it's, I, I'm shocked. It seemed... It seemed to take forever, which I, I guess it did, but it didn't. I don't know. It's weird, man. It's also weird to be playing hockey in July, so I don't I don't know. Everything's weird. Yeah, I think that's the big thing is that, you know, it's the fact that it's in July, too. I think it's it's, it's not <laughs> yeah. for all of us in the hockey world. It's it's that's that's not our schedule, man. I mean, I know we dealt with it last year with the quarantine, and that was different because we were all locked in the house. But now, you know, you can go to the beach now and the pool. And, <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's a game I mean, on hey. tonight. <laughs> Training camp opens in two months, so you know, hey, it's great. Oh man! Well, look, I, I, I tell you what, man, I am. Uh, I guess, uh, Joe, it's probably the norm when when your when your squad's not in it, right? Mm-hmm. And you got multiple factors here. You obviously have the sadness of the the Islanders and the Vegas Knights fans of getting so close and not making it, and they're obviously hiding and chilling and whatever. That, and then the rest of us whose teams aren't in it, you just want this thing over with. So you can get ready for a training camp and look forward to next season. Right. Yeah. You just, you want it all to just be like, just listen, we got an off season to get to here, guys. Like let's step on it. That's why I was, I figured everybody, you know, once 
once Tampa gets up three nothing, they're like, all right, let's wrap this up. Like, let's, <laughs> let's get it over with. Like, we we got stuff to get to here. I know in Buffalo, everybody's like, we got trades to get to here. We got we got we got guys to trade. Like, can we just get on with it already? And, and you know, I you know, I was that's how I was, man. At Game Four, I was I was angry. I was like, what do you mean you're not <laughs> wrapping it up tonight? You know, and it's so unfair to the Montreal Canadian fans. But you know, hey, look, they got one last win there. They had a bit of a party. But hey, man, let's uh, let's dive into it real quick, and and you know, uh, hopefully at the end of this, we'll we'll talk a little Don Granado and, and head coach of the Buffalo Sabers, and maybe we'll touch on that a little quick. But um, the series, man, just uh, give us your highs and lows, and 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 your thoughts on the uh, eventual outcome here on this and this amazing Tampa Bay Lightning team winning back to back in in a in a quarantine um, final last year with no fans playoffs and then and then this year now doing it again uh in front of fans uh you know and the road that they took to get here not only that but doing it all in 10 months apart which yeah i can't imagine is is going to be something that's ever repeated uh again in the future i mean barring anything really weird happening again i just can't i don't think we're ever going to see a team win two stanley cups in you know within 10 months like, Hopefully we don't crazy. have to do that again, Joe. <laughs> like that. Oh, see, I mean, I mean, I really hope not. I, I really hope that's not the case. But, but you know what? This, I mean, this Tampa team. I, I you know, not just with, not just because of, like it was built with Steve Eiserman, but I get so many Red Wings vibes from from how this how this worked. Because you look back to where this team was, uh, you know, when they get swept by Columbus in the first round. You know, eight beats a one, and it's just. That you know, everybody's just like, oh man, maybe you got to blow up the lightning because like you you lose that kind of you lose that way. It's just like you ain't never gonna get over the hump. You know, like they made the Cup final in fifteen, you lose to Chicago. You know, sixteen, seventeen, you're just kind of like, all right, you know, whatever. You're just kind of getting through it, and then that series happens in eighteen, nineteen, and you're just like, man, these guys are toast. Like they're never gonna get over the hump, and yeah. it's so much like the Red Wings of the of the early nineties or the mid nineties, I should say, and. They're calling in the fire department on me. These these takes are going to get hot today, Paulie. So just, just be ready. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they scored again. It's Kucherov. He scored again oh. there. What can I say? Um, but it's it, it's the kind of thing where they needed that. I mean, I, I don't want to say they needed that loss to Columbus, but like that that loss to Columbus kicked them in the ass. Like that's what. That's what got him going. And obviously, you know, the bubble series and all that, like that's a whole different monster. But I mean, the, the, the similarities to that and how Detroit handled it when they, you know, when they beat, you know, when they lose the, the Colorado in 96 and it was, you know, that, that brutal, wicked series, you know, the Chris Draper thing with Lemieux and that, that whole thing. And then the next year they come back and they have the big brawl with, you know, with Colorado to end the season and they meet each other in the playoffs and they beat Colorado. It was like, all right, these guys are going to win. And then it was just a question of how many in a row were they going to win? And they went, you know, they won 97, they went in 98, and they sweep both of those rounds. And now you hear you got the Lightning, you know, they beat Corey Perry in Dallas last year. They beat Corey Perry in Montreal this year. You know, I whatever it is, I'm putting my money on whoever Corey Perry's playing for next season to, to get to the cup final. But, but I mean, I, are you going to deny Tampa? I mean, we keep saying this team's going to get pulled apart at some point because of the salary cap. And like, it's probably going to be a little bit this season, uh, this off season, but Man, what a run! Like that's it's just incredible. Like it's it's such a well put together team, and I know people are complaining about like oh, they they hit all the money. They you know Stamkos and Kucherov, you know, the whole salary cap thing. But I was like, man, like it's not like these guys were just sitting on the beach waiting for the waiting for the regular season to end. You know, like these oh, guys. Oh, and are if hurt. it was on the other foot, 
give me a break. 100%. Every like, other you, fan if base. If you get to take advantage of it, you just do it. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. Shut the door with that stuff. I mean, give yeah. me a break. Like, hey, I mean, look, Toronto you know, was doing it. Like, all these teams that could do it, they, they were they, – if, they, if you can do it, you do it. Like, absolutely. that's the whole thing. You know, Joe, they got the main core of this uh, group coming back pretty much. They're, they're big names here and stuff. And, and uh, look, the, uh, the guy for me, I've been raving about him. And it's, it's, it's captain obvious stuff. But Vasilevsky, man, best goaltender in the world, man. There's no, there's no, there's no, I mean, he's got two on his belt now. He's going to be 27. Um, and you, you have to also, you know, you talk about uh, Detroit and, uh, you know, teams in the past and, and some of the big moves that you make there at the end of the trade and deadline. I think you got to, you know, with, with Eisman going to Detroit, and you got to tip your cat here a little bit to Julian uh, Brisebois, GM to uh, Tampa, uh, bringing in uh, some key guys that uh, had a huge impact uh, on this team. Components. And it, it's it's like every year, Joe, you can kind of count on it. Any team that wins there's one or two or three guys that get picked up at the end that that help a team get to the other hump. The Owls tried to do it with Zajac and Palmieri. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Maroon coming in here, you know, anything like that, just a, an experienced guy gets his third cup in a row, which is just a great story too. But um, that's a big part. So uh, just your, your, quick, your quick thoughts there on Brisebois, who took over the mantle there for um, – um, you know, Eisenman. And I think you bring up a great point that that sweep in Columbus and the, I mean, it's so hard. I mean, these guys have been there already. They've lost in the finals. They've gotten mm-hmm. swept. I mean, Stamkos has been through all of this. He gets to the finals last year. He gets to play just under three minutes last year. Gets, mm-hmm. I mean, what a, what a feeling for him last night to be on the ice, be a part of this and be a contributor this year. So that was very validating, but this team is not going anywhere, brother. No, no. I mean, they're not. I mean, you're, they're they're going to lose a couple of guys here. Like, you know, you're going to lose somebody in the expansion draft. You're probably going to have to. You know, I mean, like T- Tyler Johnson, probably going to wind up going to Seattle. I would think, like somehow, like somehow, some way, they're they're going to find a way to get him back home. Uh, for, you know, from playing in Spokane. I think he played in Spokane in the in the dub wow. uh, back in the day. So, I mean, he's. I mean, he's a guy that seems destined to wind up with a Kraken, but like. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, they're not losing Kucherov. They're not losing Stamkos. They're not losing Hedman. They're not losing Vasilevsky. Like, I mean, those are, I mean, those are big, you know, they're not losing Braden Point. They're not losing Sorelli. Like, these guys, like, that right there is enough yep. of a cord to be able to run with. And even with Breeze, like, Breezeball goes out and gets David Savard, who, when he was, when he was the hot ticket item at the, at the trade deadline, I was like, David Savard's the hot, the hot ticket item? Are you kidding me? <laughs> but, like, he was he steadied that group out like he gave them a balance on that back end of the defense so you don't have to like run some you know maybe some questionably experienced guys out there like that's fantastic like that i mean it ends up working out good and like it's just sometimes it's nice to just be able to pull a couple of tiny strings and just have it work great for you you know i mean them picking up maroon a couple of years ago and the relationship he's had, he's had from with john cooper going back to like way back uh, i think it was like ushl days or something like that like i mean we're talking you know, old history there. Yeah. The fact that he was able to bring him in and just be like, Hey man, you know, listen, we know you just want to cup in St. Louis. We need somebody to balance out our, our fourth line and, and give us a little bit of that, a little bit of that oomph, a little bit of that, that snarl, that nasty, and also ability to score some goals sometimes too. And perfect, like perfect. Like that, that guy fit in seamlessly with that group. I mean, that's, that's kind of how a guy like that should be, but man, oh man, like that's, those are the kinds of things that you can do when you've got, that much talent around them. And I mean, geez, John Cooper, I mean, the guy's been an incredible coach since he jumped into the, since he jumped into the league. And I mean, uh, the, the fact that this guy has, is, has done as well as he has 
probably shouldn't be a big surprise because he did it in Norfolk with with the Lightning's farm team. And he's mm-hmm. done it everywhere. Like he's yeah. won titles at every level. It's 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 insane to think that like this guy who never played in the NHL, never did you know, never did any of that, was a lawyer before becoming a coach, <laughs> is now like maybe the best coach in the league. Like it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, and they've got a potential here. You know, you you figure Coop's going to come back, and, and I'm sure he's still hungry for it. But they have a chance now to to be a Pittsburgh Penguins type organization or a Detroit Red Wings type organization or a Chicago Blackhawks there in the 2000s where they could add a couple more cups here. I mean, mm-hmm. the the Eastern Conference, we're going to get back to normal here. I don't care what anybody says, and as tough as the competition, and we are going to tip our hats to the Canadians here and that young group, there's no doubt about it, and all the teams, but I, I think um, because there's a lot of the teams here on this side in the Eastern Conference that are going to be going through a lot of rebuilding here, tinkering. There's going to be a lot of changes. We know the expansion draft's coming up. It's going to be a, a different makeup here going forward. But I think the Lightning, I think, is an organization, no. And they prove they can win all different types of ways. They can play the tight game. Um, they can play the, the blowout game. They can score. So if their guys stay healthy, um, and, and you know a lot of these guys played through major injuries. So they even mm-hmm. won this thing banged up. You bring up a great point early, about 10 months, what they've had to do here. Um, so I, I think it's there for the taking, too, as well, for, for Tampa here to probably maybe put a, one or two more cups up on their shelf here over the next three to four years, uh, regardless of what else is happening in the rest of the league. Yeah, and you know what sticks out most to me is that the, the the road that they have to travel going through the Eastern Conference and like, you know, and everything. The Eastern Conference is by far, by far the most difficult of the two conferences. Like the West is hard, but it's it's physically tough. The road trips are always hard. Like that's a different type of tough. The Eastern Conference has I I would I'm willing to say has the superior talent comparatively. And like, just, you know, you think about the divisions that like they had to pop through. You know, like Tampa has to get, you know, they had to get through their group where it was, you know, they had to deal with the Panthers in the first round. Like Panthers were really damn good this year. Then like they, you know, they had to they had to get through them in the first round. And it was just like, OK, like you're getting tested right away. Uh, but like when we go back to normal next year, I mean, look how that division sets up. They got you know, they got Montreal. Like, you know, welcome back to the team. You played the finals. <laughs> Florida's still there. Boston, Toronto. Like, holy crap, man. Like that's that's not fun. That's not fun. Like you're like you're, you're talking, you still have to finish top four to get in the playoff, you know, top four, you know, wild card, like whatever. But like the other divisions still hard, you know, you, Washington Islanders Rangers are going to be better. Uh, you know, capital or uh, the penguins, the, the flyers. I mean, Carter Hart comes back. They're going to be, the Buffalo they're going to be better. Uh, well, they're a team in the, in the, in the Atlantic <laughs> division too. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but a uh, Carolina, I mean, geez, East is the East is an impossible road to get through, and I, I you know, if yeah, you win but I the think East, they can man, beat all those teams. Pig. They can beat all those teams. They absolutely can, they, they, and they have. Like, yes, that, that's the other part. It's true, of it. they, they have. have already twice. Like, <laughs> so I mean, like you know, I mean, just the fact that you know you had, they had to march through Florida and Carolina to then deal with the Islanders, like that's a that's a wicked road, man. Like that is an absolutely torrid road to get through, and then you have to deal with Montreal in the end, where. Montreal was, you know, they were the scrappy underdogs. You know, you got Carey Price, who's an immediate, immediate changer for everything. Because, you know, the things, if they play right in front of him, he shuts down everything. And he did it for three rounds. Yeah. But then they stopped playing, they have stopped playing smooth hockey. Like, you know, they stopped being respons- fully responsible for everything. And, like, every little mistake they made, Tampa cashed in on it, which is that, – I mean, that just speaks to how good they are. Like, just – I mean, it was, like, little errors. I mean – 
it took Mike Rupp pointing this out during a video. I think it was after game three to point out like these little mistakes that you won't notice right away. But he's like, no, this is an error here. And look what happens. Goal. Here's this little mistake. They didn't do Like they, you know, this guy misses the coverage here. Boom. Goal. Like instantly it was three goals from just making tiny mistakes. And like, that's, that's the mark of, of a, a team with killer instinct and one that just knows how to get it done. Like they, when you present it with those with those things and those those uh, those mistakes, they cashed in every single one of them, and they did it against Carey Price. Like, man, like that's uh, to me, you can't ask for a better performance than that. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. There you go, the experience, uh, not only behind the bench but on the ice too. Hey, the Canadians was a great story, uh, but you know they were they had they were like building the shuttle with the instructions on the way to the launch pad. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, everything that went, it was a great ride. Uh, and then even, you know, Richardson having to step in there for uh, Duchamp when he was out with COVID. I mean, there's a lot of different things going on. I mean, that was a lot for that. I don't care what anybody says. And full marks in them. And by the way, I am right on board with Kucherov there to give him the business to the house fan. <laughs> it was great last night. It was one of the all-time greatest uh, uh, Stanley Cup press conference I've ever seen after. It was awesome. Um, but, you know, we got to talk about the Habs real quick. You know, that's a lot to handle. Even mm-hmm. for the experienced team that just won it, uh, has been there before, has gone through this being swept by Columbus. You know, you got a young Montreal team here. They're all in there. I think I think the whole crew there is all in the 25. It's a great mm-hmm. story for them to go forward and build on. Yes. Tip of the hat. Clap. You know, they did a great job. And what could have been. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's ultimately who wins the cup. Right, Joe? It's, it's right. the guys who just know how to get through everything and adjust and you know i don't take anything away from the haves and their run here um and yeah those mistakes lead to inexperience or hey guys i've never done this before what am we supposed to do Mm -hmm. yeah and you know i i look at what they were able what like some of the i mean some of the lineup decisions throughout the playoffs for them often left me scratching my head like you know they you know scratching cole Cole caulfield the first few games of the playoffs and you're just kind of like all right, man, like, like, what are you doing here? And then they put him in and then suddenly he just, he, he goes off and then it's, you know, not playing Romanov uh, on defense for, for a whole bunch. And it was just like, dude, this guy's got it, man. Like this guy goes out and hits everybody. He can, you know, the dude can play. Like, I mean, he's young. Like you can, you know, you can want, you can want experience in the lineup all you want, but sometimes those young guys can carry you a lot. And those guys did Caulfield, Caulfield played like crazy. You know, Nick Suzuki was, looks incredible. Like, a lot of what Montreal's got going for it is very good. What I worry about for them is that they're going to take the, take this run as validation that everything they're doing is 100% correct and to stay that course. Because I don't think that when you ride a, stro- a streak of, of hot goaltending and just pure, plain, dumb good luck, you can fool yourself into thinking you're doing big things. Mm-hmm. And I fear that that's going to be the case for Montreal. Um, and that's not, you know, and I don't want to be dumping on them you know, bad, you know, because it stinks losing, it, you know, it, it, it hurts to lose. But when I look at this team, I, it's still very flawed. Like there are still, there's still huge holes here. Like they still don't, you know, they might be losing Deno next year because they don't want, you know, they didn't want to give him a big, you know, he'd said no to a contract there before. And, you know, now he might be going someplace else. And like that, that would create a huge hole. You know, Eric Stahl was a nice jump, you know, it was a nice plug in for them. Thank you, Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> who worked, worked out pretty well in the end for them. Um, and so for all these young guys that they've got, like, they're great. Like they're, they're absolutely fun and they're, they're super. Um, but they need more, like you need more, you need more depth, you need better depth. And, you know, I mean, Shea Weber laid it all on the line during the playoffs. I mean, geez, what a friggin' warrior that guy is. 
and, you know, just played his ass off and just hammered everybody. Like that was like, that's the Shea Weber that, you know, everybody's like, yes, that's the dude that we all fear, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you get, you know, Sorelli, you know, stepping in front of one of his slap shots last night to prevent a chance. And he's just like, like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's dedication. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, like the, the, the fact that that team was able to rally around Weber, I mean, he, I mean, their captain almost cost them game four with that yep. high stick mm-hmm. and they, they rallied around it. They kept, they got together and went in overtime, but like, I, I worry that Montreal is going to see what they did and be like, no, this is the way we got to go. It's what happened to them back in 2010 when they upset the Capitals and they, you know, they rode Halak to, through that, that run to the, what, the Eastern, Eastern Conference Final, I think, against Philly. I think it was Eastern Conference Final against Philly. And, that, and you know, the, and they were just kind of like, yeah, no, this is the way to go. And then they let Halak go because they're like, nope, Price is our guy. Right call. <laughs> yeah, that was the right call. But like everything else about the team, they were just like, no, this is good. And it was like, no, no, it's not good. Um, so we'll see what we'll, we'll see what Bergevin's got up his sleeve for the summer. Um, I assume Ducharme's going to get the job full time because he's he's still the interim. <laughs> he's still the interim guy. But like, <laughs> I, I can't imagine them moving away from him. Now, I mean, if I'm Bergevin, I'm still having a, some conversations with him about, hey, man, like you did a great job. But like some of those lineup choices, uh, I don't know, man. Like maybe, maybe we can work on some different things there. Hey, look, man, that's that's a hell of a first half a season run in a in a COVID season uh, with no fans. Um, you know, young lineup. I think Duchamp did a hell of a job. It wasn't perfect, but hey, look, man, just the fact that they came back and beat the Leafs, I'd give them two years anyway. Just, just, just for <laughs> just that to alone, hold it over the heads. Yeah, <laughs> for that alone in Montreal, man. Just for those bragging rights. Uh, it's good stuff. Yay. Look, man, uh, it's all good in Montreal. They're going to be fine one way or the other. They got a great young nucleus. They're young. Uh, I think, you know, when you have a, they, they created, they reinvented their identity there a little bit. I think this was great for the franchise more than anything. And I think in hockey, you know, we know, we love this. You like to see a comeback story a little bit. And you didn't see this coming. It was never expected. Geez, they finished 18th. I mean, the, the Rangers finished ahead of them. They didn't get in the playoffs. Yeah. So what two teams I think did. So it is what it is. Um, we get this great Stanley Cup final uh, out of this crazy past year um, with the 56 games. And, and like I said, we can put this on the shelf. Congrats to the Bolts moving forward, and we get back to a normal season here and training camp and the drafts coming up and everything else. And and hopefully, like I said, knock on wood, um, you know, Canada can get things going again and they can get more yeah. fans back in the building and so on and so forth. So all, that, all good stuff to look forward to. So um, and we'll continue to talk about this uh, finals going forward and there'll be more stories coming out of this uh, down the road as we move forward here on THS. But before I let you go, Joe, um, we have to talk a little bit of Buffalo Sabres news because there, mm-hmm. there has been some. And uh, <laughs> you guys have a new coach. He actually, uh, he's, he's the real guy now. And you yeah. said this might happen. You are a suitsayer. <laughs> it seemed all signs seem to point to Don Granado being the guy from the get go. And, you know, I think Kevin Adams said he, he, he interviewed like 10 different guys uh, along with Granado for, for the job, which, Hey, good. Like I said, from the get go, you got to talk to as many people as possible. Pick pick all the brains, figure out what you're getting. And if somebody blows your hair back, like that, you think is going to be better than Granado. Hey man, like you, you have, you have free access to them to be able to hire them if you want to. <laughs> but I think what this says though, I, you know, and I love Don Granado. He's just an absolutely superhuman being. And I love the the buttons that he pushed with the team at, you know, uh, when he took over, cause there was a lot to repair there after, after they fired Ralph Krueger, there was a lot, there was a lot he had to do work with. And he, he figured out a lot of 
of ways to push the right buttons with the younger guys. And that's what they're going to need going forward because I got a funny feeling he's not going to be coaching Jack Eichel. He's not probably not going to be coaching Sam Reinhart. Probably not going to be coaching Rasmus Ristolainen next year. There's going to be a lot of younger guys in that lineup that he's going to be able to mold and push forward and help develop them. And that's going to be such a huge, huge thing for them because if they're going to get out of this hole, which, you know, 10 years without playoffs and counting now, if they're going to get out of this. They're going to need somebody that can that can push those right buttons. And I think Don Granato is going to be the guy. Now, I've been wrong about coaches many times in the past about the Buffalo Sabres. But, I, you know, but, but Don's, I think Don's the right guy for this for what they're going to be doing here and how this unfolds. I, I, I just know that like the next three or four weeks is going to be fascinating from a Buffalo standpoint, because mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of moves coming here. Um, and it, this, this, this roster is going to get a big turnover just from trades. I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys that, that are still going to be here from last year, but the main pieces, they're going to be switching out and they're going to be going somewhere else. And that's, that's what is going to be very interesting about how this works moving ahead. Yeah, look at you. You're going to be real busy here, Joe, yakking about the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres, man. Hey, look, on that note, what you just said about Donnie, um, you know, his his, his, his personality and everything, uh, Kruger, uh, Bilesma, Housley, Nolan, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure if we're getting somebody in there. So you know you're very familiar with all those different types of personalities, um, different uh, markups in terms of egos, in terms of their successes, those coaches here before and, and after and so on and so forth. So Give me your sense there, knowing if you put Donnie in there in the mix mm-hmm. of them as a person and as a guy who, like I said, is maybe the right guy for this team. Because I'm sure all those guys I just mentioned were also, I think this is the right guy right now for this team, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Does, does Donnie stand out that way amongst those guys, considering the situation, considering the guys you just named, the transition this team is going through, um, you know, where they're going to go for the whole Eichel thing? It, it, is is this a safe move by the Sabers, or do you really feel this is just a good quality, not only coach uh, but human being, experienced guy that's going to be able to maybe turn things around here a little bit? I think it's a safe move, but I think it's the right move too. Okay. Um, you know, I, I you know, I mean, safe can be safe can mean a couple, you know, it can mean a few things there. Like safe can just mean like, oh, they were lazy. They just they just want to keep the guy that was already in place. Uh, he probably doesn't cost as much as some of these other guys that, that, that might've wanted the job. Like, a, you know, if it's a, if it's a Boudreaux or a Tockett or somebody like that, um, which is true. I mean, you know, if you want to hire Bruce Boudreaux, you're probably got to drop four or 5 million a year on him, uh, which I don't imagine the Sabres are excited to, to drop that kind of money on a coach again. They're paying Ralph Kruger over 3 million a year. <laughs> and like he hadn't coached in the NHL since 2012. And they're just like, yeah, here's, here's three years and three and three and three quarter million dollars a year. Like enjoy, like, Okay, guys, great, but um, but but given the way that he works as a coach, like he loves to coach, like he loves to instruct, he loves to he loves to get out there and teach, like he loves to do all these things, and like Kruger didn't didn't really do a lot of that. He was, you know, the practices were not hard practices. The practices were just like, let's get a couple of laps in, we'll do some drills, and then we'll just we'll work on our special teams. Like that was it. Housley, they loved Housley, but eventually the message wore out. And I mean, that happens like, you know, if you know, if you keep beating the same drum and the drum is not getting the results you want, you don't want that drum anymore. Like, you know, it's out of tune and you're just kind of like, listen, this ain't working. Bilesma, I think Bilesma was a was a good coach. But man, he pissed off everybody in the room and like they you know, they didn't respect that. And like he didn't technically respect them back. And like that, that's that's an untenable relationship. Ted Nolan. 
I almost don't want to count Ted because of the, what the team was doing at the time with just, you know, bottoming out and like making the run of McDavid Eichel. Like they put Ted in that spot to just be like, all right, all right, you know, just steer the ship, you know, keep us steady because the fans love you and we'll just do things that way. And that that's, that's impossible. Like that's, I mean, Ted wanted to do a lot of different things with the team that he wasn't allowed to do. And he wanted to call up different players that he wanted to put in there. And he was told flat out, no, we're not doing that. Like, Okay, like, I mean, you can you can only deal with the groceries you're allowed to have to to kind of put a spin on that old Bill Parcells thing. But I mean, (laughs) you know, like with each of those coaches, like, you know, Ted, Ted wasn't much of a teacher. Ted was a rah-rah guy. You know, Bilesma, he was, you know, he was a classic player, you know, former player as a coach. Um, But he was he came in very proud of his accomplishments in Pittsburgh. And like the guys were just kind of like, yeah, dude, you're not in Pittsburgh now. Like you got to you got to work with us. And he didn't really talk to him. And that stinks. And, you know, Housley, it was his first head coaching job. You know, it was a tough situation. And, you know, things didn't work, you know, like they, they were still bad and like the team was poorly put together. So, um, but, you know, you know, Phil, you know, the guys respected the hell out of Phil. They love, you know, like I said, they love Phil Kruger, great motivational speaker. And that's about it. <laughs> you know, cause like every, his, his coaching style was like, it's great for international play wasn't great for the NHL and certainly not great for what he had to deal with with the Sabres. So I think with Granato, this is going to be almost like a clean slate with him. So I, I, it's the right call. It's the safe call, but it's a good call. Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to uh, chit-chatting some Buffalo <laughs> Sabres with Mr. Yurden. The Stanley Cup has been awarded. The half of 2021 season is over. But, man, we got things to talk about going forward. Joe, um... Tell you, it's been a great run, these NHL playoffs, and it's uh, been a pleasure to do this with you. But I know we're not going anywhere. we got stuff to talk about, some drafts and all kinds of news. But as far as this episode today, man, thanks, brother. I know you have to catch a plane because I know you were invited to Kucherov's after Stanley <laughs> Cup championship barbecue. And you got to be there, and I want to see some video. I got. I got to get on the. Uh, I got to get on the uh, the pontoon boat and uh, get on that channel side cruise with the boys. You know, that's that's how we got to do things. I'll bring the vodka. Oh, I love it, Joe. You're the best, man. Have a great weekend. We'll uh, we'll probably get back into this next week. All right. So till then, man, stay cool. You got it, Paul. You enjoy, man. All right, Joe Yard, baby. Buffalo Sabres news and Stanley Cup Finals. Away we go. All right, TJS rolls on. Well, all right, it's time to head out to the great city of Chicago. Man, it seems like it's been a long time. But let's check in with our good buddy, Mr. Tab Bamford. How's it going, pal? Born out there in Chicago and Hockeyland these days, outside of the Stanley Cup Finals. What's going on? Yeah, you know what? Not a whole lot happening in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, as the world watched uh, the Stanley Cup Final uh, and the playoffs over the past few weeks uh chicago has had its own series of hockey related issues to deal with so uh lots lots going on uh at least you know you don't have a jack eichel or vladimir tarasenko level of concern but you know you've got pending lawsuits and a future hall of famer duncan keith that's willing to move and you know the possibility that you need a gm two weeks from the draft whatever yeah, no, just a little stuff. It's almost like, uh, Chicago, I guess maybe Chicago Blackhawk fans were hoping this would go to a Game 7 
or game eight, so you wouldn't have to <laughs> spend some time focusing on that. Um, you know, maybe what we'll do is tab is we'll swing back to the Chicago stuff at the end. But let's talk about this series, uh, this season, this half, this 56-game season is over. It's finished. I think the right team won. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, great stuff there. You know, when you got, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest goaltender in the world and the pipes there, Vasilevsky, uh, and that crew in front of you, experienced guys back-to-back. You can go on and on and on, but I'll, I'll throw it back to you in terms of getting your thoughts on uh, this series and, and Tampa winning back-to-back here, buddy. Yeah, I mean... I had to remind a few people on social media last night that Chicago Blackhawks fans shouldn't be out there throwing stones about Tampa circumventing the cap because if memory serves, uh, the Blackhawks were able to add a significant piece in Antoine Vermette in 2015 uh, when they defeated these Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final in six games and were, until last night, the last team to hoist the cup in front of their home fans. So... Um, you know, these are the rules that we play with. And as long as teams have the ability to leverage LTIR space to add, uh, teams are going to do it. And look, you know, again, the Blackhawks shouldn't be throwing stones at all because next year they're going to have Brent Seabrook and Andrew Shaw giving them $10 million of in-season cap space to play with should they want to. So um, I'm not going to fault the team for taking advantage of the system that they live in. Uh, Frankly, for Kucherov to play as well as he did after not playing a second regular season was damn impressive. I mean, let's just be real. You don't play for, what was it, eight months? If you go back to the last, the end of the, the last cup final, and then you just show up and roll people the way that he did, that's that's pretty impressive. And we wouldn't have gotten that post-game press conference last night, which is legendary. Yeah, I mean, legendary. I mean, he threw shade at everything. He's topless. He's... <laughs> living the high life literally and figuratively. I mean, look, here, here's my thing. Like, after you win a championship, and I know, look, we're members of the media, and we've got a responsibility to report on these things, and you want to hear from all the participants. I get that. But, <laughs> um, you know, there's got to be some level of, like, we've got to have, like, a window of time where we're like, you know what, it's a lost cause. We're moving on for the night. Um <laughs> Here's transcripts of what he said to TSN and, you know, for the last time, NBC last night on the ice. Because, like, look, you've got, you know, Coleman and Kalorn up there, and Kalorn's cracking fresh beers every time somebody else gets a question. And McDonough can't keep a straight face, and Coleman's trying to not laugh because, I mean, Kalorn's just trying to get bent like a coat hanger, and you can't blame the guy. He's got a pin in his leg, and he's still in full uniform. Um, and... You know, you get 20 minutes after everything on the ice concludes, and you, you're trying to get a guy who's clearly two out of three sheets out there to give you some type of an explanation of what happened. And what are the questions that he gets? How important was it to win on home ice? What did this season mean to you? If you know what, you know how important was it to win in front of your your home fans? And of course, you know he's going to throw shade at Montreal. Like, oh, I think they won the Stanley Cup. Whatever. I mean, you're 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 going after vanilla answers that you could probably just make up the answer to if you want. But sometimes you get a guy who's, you know, fairly inebriated, giving you epic comments that turn into stories themselves. But at some point, I think for every sport, when you get into the post game conversations, like it's always bad, like post Super Bowl when some dudes 
got to drag out of the locker room to talk to ESPN like 45 minutes after the final horn sounded. Like, these dudes just want to party. These dudes just want to celebrate. And so I would rather just let them go have a cigar and get hammered and get your hungover sound bites the next day. Like, best case scenario, you get what Kucherov did. Worst case scenario, you get a bunch of really vanilla comments and you're writing the same boring story that everybody else is about how they overcame physical and financial obstacles to win their second straight Stanley Cup and they didn't do it in a bubble. So I'm a big fan of and a big believer in let them go drink, let them go celebrate, talk to them the next day. You don't need cheesy quotes to vanilla questions to fill out your story. But, you know, here we are having a good time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, good for Cooch. Uh, you know, I thought it was great that Vasilevsky became the first goalie not born in North America to win the Conn Smythe. He absolutely deserved it. He was the only guy that I think probably should have won it. If it had gone seven, maybe Carey Price has a case uh, on the losing side. Mm -hmm. Um, But look, a guy that a lot of hockey fans have never heard of scores the cup-winning goal in a one-nothing game. I think that kind of sums up what the Stanley Cup final is all about. It's every guy has an important role, and you never know who's going to be the guy. So, um, but yeah, Tampa, look, you know, I think they are on a trajectory here where obviously they've got huge cap problems that they're going to have to deal with this summer, but the way that they've been able to, to grow from inside and not have to look for, you know, big ticket replacements and band-aids to stay on top has been really impressive. And it looks like, you know, we'll see what the retooling looks like. They'll get a little help from Seattle probably, but. Um, but I don't think they're going to go anywhere. I think you're going to have to keep your eyes on Tampa for a while. And shout out to Tampa as a sport, as the sports center of the sports universe. I mean, you've got two back-to-back Stanley Cups, a Super Bowl in the middle, and they were two wins from winning the World Series. Who would have thought in the year of our Lord 2021 that <laughs> Tampa, Florida would be the, the, the mecca of sports in North America? But here we are. Yep. You got Kucherov, you got Tom Brady. Uh, you got a bunch of no names on the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, getting to a World Series. What a time to be alive. Yeah. And uh, who knows what they're going to do, whether a boat parade or a street parade. I'm sure there's more. Uh... I, I, I did appreciate the uh, Stanley Cup's Twitter account telling Tom Brady that the cup is too heavy to throw. <laughs> so we won't we won't see the goat trying to toss the cup from one boat to another, even if Gronk's on the receiving end. Oh, I don't know, buddy. I think no there's... hand passes in the yeah. celebration. <laughs> I think there's some uh, interesting stuff to come here in the next couple of days. We'll see what happens. So let me ask you this, Tab. This season, and, you know, I, I guess there's two things I want to ask you. Obviously, you know, you, you being there for Chicago and, and the three cups, obviously broken up through a couple of different years there, but three cups. And I agree with you. I think um, I was talking to Joe about it before. I think Tampa's going to be sticking around here. and They have, they have an opportunity here if, if uh, Coop stays on. They've got the main core, even with the, uh, the salary cap issues and everything else. Uh, they could probably put a couple more cups on the shelf for them. Uh, especially with the competition here in the Eastern Conference and some of the teams that have been in the finals or gone deep in the playoffs, a.k.a. You know, uh, Boston and Washington. They're, they're all going through changes, too. Uh, Pittsburgh as well. Uh, yeah, you got some good young teams in, in New York here and so on and so forth, but uh, I think um, you know uh, Tampa's got a good chance here if they keep this core together. And, and with Vasilevsky and Net, Net and, and, and Hedman and so on and so forth, they stay healthy. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious stuff. They're, they'll be back there again. What's your take on um, on the season itself and this, this accomplishment for this team and also the league? 
I mean, and again, like a lot of people are, I think, are, are discounting this because Montreal people are, are saying on, on social media, they are the put quotes around this worst team in the playoffs. Um, look, they came back from down 3-1 and beat Toronto, who is supposedly the best team in Canada. And they beat a Vegas team that a lot of people thought was, a. I mean, the Vegas, you know, outside of the arena, the gambling community thought that they were one of the favorites. Who also beat so let's not, Colorado, who was taught as one of the best teams. Yeah, so let's not sleep on Mont- with the run that Montreal had. It was a marvelous run. Carey Price, you know, if, if Vasilevsky is 1A, Carey Price is 1B when you're talking the best netminders on the planet. So let's not sleep on what Montreal did. It was impressive. Uh, but uh, but I'll go here. Yes, you know what? They had a bloated roster financially. Take that for what it is. Yeah, they, you know, some have said that the toughest team that they beat in the playoffs was Florida in the first round. Yeah, you know, Flor- we've, we've talked about this on this show. Florida and Carolina were tremendous teams and had great regular seasons. And so the route that Tampa took to go through Florida and Carolina – and the Islanders to get to the Habs is pretty freaking impressive. Also, and the Islanders fan base, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think one of the things that no one's really talking about here is that Tampa came back from a significant off last year and went into the bubble. And I think everyone's talked about how hard the bubble was, how stressful the bubble was. You've got no fans. You're living in a vacuum. You're playing a ton of games in a short period of time. You're going through all the health protocols. Um, you know, the, by all accounts, the bubble succeeded from a marketing perspective. But most of the players have said that it was just a miserable existence. Yeah. And then you get a short off season, and you come back, and you've got a condensed season with a lot of games in a relatively small window. And then you've got another postseason that, again, they rolled through four very good teams to get there. And I would say that this Stanley Cup for Tampa is unprecedented. You look at the talent, you understand, and you assume, look, this is a team that's got the horses to do it. But when you take that off the table and you consider all of the external factors that they've fought through, the injuries the condensed schedules, the bubble, everything else, the short off season with the celebrating and everything else. It's pretty impressive. And uh, I am tipping my cap, uh, tapping my stick, if you will, uh, to Tampa Bay because winning back-to-back is hard enough. You've had two teams do it since the Red Wings in the late 90s. Uh, And to do it under the circumstances that they've done with the health protocols and the condensed schedules and everything else that they've had to fight uphill around um, full marks uh, because what they were able to accomplish. uh, I mean, you're not going to see a back-to-back NBA champion. Nope. So, um, you know, and, and for all the complaining and whining that NBA players have done about what the condensed schedule has done to them physically, you know, you've got hockey players that are playing through broken feet, broken legs, separated shoulders, busted ribs, everything else to get there. And I, I don't want to make this into and a hockey is better than basketball. Yeah. Game yeah. in, game Love out. my sport. Yeah, this isn't a hockey is better than basketball, even though it is conversation. But, 
what they were able to do back to back in the circumstances that they did it with all due respect to Sidney Crosby's penguins. I am more impressed with what Tampa has done with these two than when the Pittsburgh penguins went back to back earlier this decade. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think most people agree with you there, Tab. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it was just, it's, it's crazy when you when you pull back and and look at it from a, a wider space to to see what Tampa's done and and then you know Breezewell coming in here and making the additions and the changes and um, just the protocol all the all the stuff that they've uh, kind of gone through and I think like I said you, you have to really look at the quality of these guys and and also like I said you you talk about the 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 teams that they went through to get there. And, you know, every team had to go through the officiating of this National Hockey mm-hmm. League, which was yeah. just brutal itself. So, you know, when you see Kucherov and the guys there drinking and partying in the press conference, and, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely incredibly unprofessional and all that stuff. But you know what, man? I don't blame them, man, because that is, that is the hardest trophy to win on a on, on normal regular season. And, again, full marks to Tampa because I think these two Cups were the hardest Stanley Cup trophies to ever win uh, in this league. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've had, um, you know, the Blackhawks winning one after a lockout with a bit of a condensed season. Okay. We've had other teams coming back from lockouts and winning it. But you've never had back-to-back where both seasons were – so historically altered by extenuating circumstances. Uh, And so it's unprecedented and we've never seen it before. I pray to God we never see it again. Um, But yeah, the, the way that they were able to do it and, and do it with style and substance and dominance uh, is just unbelievable. And I, you know, I, I'm part of me hopes with the Blackhawks coming off of what many, including the commissioner, have referred to as a dynasty. Um, you know, I would love to see Tampa Bay become the Goliath that everybody chases. Stay there, keep keep giving people to fight for because you know we haven't had a team win more than three in a six or seven year window in a long time. Yeah. You know, the, the, you look at what the Blackhawks did; that was remarkable. Uh, they were the first really in the salary cap era to win three championships. Obviously, Pittsburgh came back with a, a fairly decent layoff in between one and then two and three. But you just you, it's hard with free agency and a hard salary cap and everything else to stay on top. And so, you know, throw those factors in on top of the fact that they did it with the pandemic and everything else. Just really impressive. So I'm hoping Tampa's stays around and I hope they make it hell. And you know what? Good for Steven Stamkos. I mean, he went from the pretty boy in Florida to looking like a grinder last night with the beard and the teeth missing and everything else. So, uh, you know, good, good for him. He's a great dude, great ambassador for the game, but, um, but I hope Tampa hangs around and we'll see how they retool this summer, because obviously this is going to be a real tough summer for, the front office down there to keep this team competitive because they're going to have some pretty significant, I would guess they, they, they're looking at the most significant financially driven departure since the 2010 Blackhawks. So we'll see what they look like when they report to camp in the fall, but they got work to do now after they get done celebrating. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. But it makes it a lot easier when you get two Stanley Cup championships in your back pocket now and stuff. And I'm with you on Stamkos. And we we talked about this too on on episodes two about him making his mark uh, on this team this year. Obviously, obviously only getting three minutes last year and being part of the big season, uh, the regular season. But I'm with you, man. And, and down the road on here on THS, we because I know. You, you know, me and Tab also have a baseball show as far as draft class and everything else. But looking at, you know, where Stamkos' draft class and all those guys and where those guys, you know, in the last 10, 15 years uh, have ended up successfully. And, and the journey it takes and how long it takes to just to get there, get back there, lose and everything else. And uh, that'll be some great stuff to talk about uh, down the road. So, Tab, before I let you go today on today's show, let's swing back to Chicago Obviously, we're we're somewhat in the midst of now looking at, towards a, a normal season returning here in the NHL. But I think Jeremy Colleton and uh, Jonathan Taze looks like he's coming back, and Patrick Kane and the rest of the Chicago squad. Um, things might be a little different there going on in, in the city, not only uh, on the ice but off the ice. So maybe you can just kind of give us a little summary of what your your take is in terms of the headlines that's going on in Chicago here the last couple of weeks during these finals. Oh boy, you want to be brief with this, huh? Um... <laughs> Uh, let's see. Where do we where do we begin? So, um, first of all, something that needs to be dealt with is, and it needs to be dealt with quickly and definitively by the Blackhawks, is the very serious allegations that have been made and levied against the organization in the form of a uh, civil suit that members of the front office, including current president of hockey operations and general manager Stan Bowman. And now McIsaac uh, and the departed from the organization, uh, former president of everything, grand poobah of sorts, John McDonough, were aware of uh, sexual assault allegations against an assistant coach, uh, video coach, who uh, requested that police charges uh, be brought against the coach and the organization didn't do anything with it. Uh, these claims by an unnamed player have been corroborated by other former coaches, including John Torchetti. This happened during the playoff run in 2010. Allegedly, John Torchetti, who was on Joel Quinville's staff at the time, has said that he'll go on the record and corroborate the that there was a meeting held in a hotel room in San Jose that uh, in which... McDonough, McIsaac, and Bowman were had a meeting to discuss this, at which time they said, we just need to make it disappear. Um, allegations have been levied against the Blackhawks uh, from subsequent abuse victims of this uh, former coach that the Blackhawks actually wrote a recommendation letter when they let him go after that season that helped him go get jobs uh, in minor hockey and ultimately at Miami, Ohio. Uh, and he was abused uh, a young kid while working with a youth team in Michigan, who's also suing the Blackhawks for helping facilitate him getting another job. These are disgusting allegations. Enough former players have said we knew about it. Enough former coaches have corroborated that a meeting took place that I don't know how the hell Stan Bowman keeps his job. I, I honestly don't. And, you know, it, obviously there's legal process and there's due diligence and everything else that has to take place. And they've got to cover their ass when it comes to the lawsuit. But, um, but the, you know, Gary Bettman's been asked about it, obviously not during his uh, game four appearance on uh, Hockey Night in Canada, which 
has also been discussed whether or not they should have asked and why didn't they ask. Ron McLean's talked about the fact that he had five minutes and knew that he couldn't say anything, so he just moved on. You st- I, I, I still think you have to ask the question, make it uncomfortable, make the league know that everyone in the world should care about this. Uh, but this, th- these are damning accusations, and uh, you know we are again less than we're two weeks away today from the expansion draft, and 23 days away, 22 days away from uh, the entry level draft, and the Blackhawks have cap space for the first time in a decade to work with, and they're allegedly big game hunting, and if you're a free agent or the agent representing someone who might be uh, on Chicago's radar, either via trade or free agency. I don't know how you answer that phone. Um, I don't know how much respect there is in, in the industry right now for uh, Bowman and McIsaac based on what's been levied against them in this civil suit and interviews that have been given after the fact. Um, so we have now entered a very trying time for the Chicago Blackhawks organization from that perspective. Now overlay on top of that the fact that Duncan Keith has reportedly told the team that he would waive his no-move clause. He wants to be closer to his kids uh, who are out on the west coast of Canada. And so that generally leads to arrows pointing at four specific locations, Mm -hmm. Seattle and Vancouver, Edmonton and Calgary. Would he waive it to go to Calgary? I doubt it, especially if Kachuk wants out. You know, why would he go? And Goodrell wants out. Why would he go babysit a rebuild? Uh, everyone in Edmonton is in love with the idea because they need somebody with championship pedigree to teach the kids how to win. Um, I don't think Duncan Keith is going to fix their blue line problem. Uh, he's a hell of a player. I do think that there's a lot of tread left on the tire. But if the trades that Edmonton's media have thrown out there that the Hawks would have to take James Neal's god-awful contract back would be the only way that it happens. There's no way the Blackhawks do that dance because the whole point here is if you're going to trade a future Hall of Famer and one of the greatest to ever wear the Indian head sweater, you're doing it to create cap space so that you can go sign a Dougie Hamilton or trade for an Ekman Larson or trade for Seth Jones. Mm -hmm. You're not doing it to bring more bad money back. You're trying to clear cap space. So if you're going to do it with Edmonton, they're going to have to get creative and find somebody else or buy out James Neal to make that work financially because God knows they've got more money. They've got a top heavy roster more than just about anybody in the league. So I, I would lean on Seattle. I think having a guy come in, who's going to make $4 million total over the next two years, but carries a 5.4 cap hit makes great financial sense. He'd be the perfect first captain respected around the league uh, for that team. Um, but you know, Vancouver's also looking to upgrade their blue line. So you've got a future hall of famer that, is open to the idea of leaving the city to be closer to his kids. Uh, You've got a GM uh, and other members of the front office who have been accused of some absolutely disgusting, heinous uh, issues away from the ice. Uh, And that's just starting the summer. (laughs) But, you know, at least Jonathan Taves is coming back. You know, you got the nice video of him being healthy again, uh, saying that he's physically getting back. He's practicing with his teammates. So that's a big positive, but you know the the same day that Taves and really tweeted the video of him, you know, being back with the team and being ready to go for the fall was the day that Duncan Keith's willing to accept a trade came out. So you know, glass case of emotion here in Chicago because you've got one future Hall of Famer coming back, another one open to leaving, and a front office that makes you sick to your stomach. So 
Glad what else do you want to do with right? the Chicago Blackhawks? They've got the 11th <laughs> overall pick. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I'm looking forward to talking to Hawks with you next season. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, man. Hey, look, terrible about the uh, the off-ice stuff. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's unfortunately, it seems to weave, um, it, it's unfortunately a part of all sports, every uh, major league sport here in North America, unfortunately, in recent days. So uh, I, I don't even know where to comment on that. Um, as far as the on-ice stuff here, too, uh, interesting stuff about Duncan Keith. I mean, good for him, though, wherever he ends up and, and, and what he can do. I'd love to see him in Seattle. Vancouver, man, you know, I'm a big Travis Green fan. I, I think they got some young, you know, potential there. I think Vancouver could be a little, you know, they could be a good team here in the next year or two, but that's up to, obviously up to DK, right, man? It's um, it's something. But that's weird. I mean, you you, you know, we're talking about Tampa here and, and the possibility of them wearing a couple more, more cups, and, and that's what I want to swing back to before with the comparisons a little bit. And this is um, this is the change, right? The change into the guard. I mean, obviously, you didn't have Taze last year, uh, the last two seasons, pretty much. I mean, obviously, this past season more than anything, um, but um. You know, it's, it's just a changing of the guard here with the names. And uh, we went through this all year with the Hawks in terms of all the, the young guys in college and, you know, just uh, the changes with Coach Q changing and everything else. But it's um it's it's something to sit back and watch. And, and as hockey fans, we're used to this as far as, you know, even me here in New York and all the changes going on here. It just it is what it is. And you just kind of you come along for the ride. But um, hopefully there'll be more good stuff for the Hawks on the ice uh, with the future, hopefully looking a little brighter for them than, unfortunately, the stuff off the ice there. Yeah, well, my my fingers are crossed, and my prediction is that you and I will be talking offline about what the Blackhawks are getting in a uh, gentleman by the name of Gorton uh, as the replacement for Ooh. Stan Bowman, uh, the artist formerly known as your New York Rangers uh, general manager. Um, but look, it, there, there's a there's a quality GM sitting out there as a free agent right now if the Hawks do make a change. But yeah, I mean, look. I think the it, what what really struck me last night was at the end of the broadcast on NBC Sportsnet after they had to cut for local news prematurely, a little quick on uh, Albert and Edzo, um, the the ten or twelve minute video segment that they ran with Doc Emmerich at the end of the broadcast, saying farewell on behalf of NBC as obviously the NHL is going to. Turner and ESPN, Disney, ABC in the future here. Um, lots of really um, potent emotions from a lot of the folks at NBC after 15 and a half years uh, having the, the contract there. Um, but watching that Doc Emmerich video um, and everything that the NHL has been through in the last 15 years uh, and that the first season that NHL uh, was on NBC – was the rookie seasons of Ovechkin and Crosby. And we have seen Sidney Crosby take the Penguins to three championships in the highest of the highs. And the record-breaking numbers that Ovechkin's put up with a championship. And the Blackhawks ending their drought and raising the cup. Not raising the cup not once but three times. The Kings getting a couple. Um, Boston getting one. Uh, now Tampa getting to three finals during that window and winning two of them. Uh, but the evolution from 
the guys, I mean, you, they were showing, you know, talking about the rule changes and that you went from having ties to shootouts and winners. And they're showing, you know, some of the guys that were dominant back 15 years ago. You've got Danny Heatley uh, video surfacing. Uh, but watching the league go from uh, the old slower game that it was 15 years ago to injecting all of the life and character and personality of Crosby and Ovechkin and Kane and Taves and Dowdy and McDavid and all of these young guys that are now coming to the surface and you look at the collection of guys down in Tampa and obviously Kucherov's got no problem in front of a camera and Stamkos has been a tremendous captain down there and you've got probably now with back-to-back you know three or four future Hall of Famers on the Tampa roster but the way that the game's changed in the 15 years that NBC had the rights was really striking and have Emmerich handling the voiceover on that was pretty poignant so um, but you're right every sport evolves every sport changes um, and the big question is how long do you hang on to what you have and how long is too long and at what point can you turn it over and how do you replenish? And I think what's really been impressive with Tampa is that they've been able to draft well and replenish well from inside and they've become the model for what other teams do and they've known when to sell. I mean, look, Sergeyev had a tremendous final against a team that drafted him and he was flipped for Jonathan Drouin, who was supposed to be the, the deal, the third overall pick. Uh, back in 13. So um, it, it, it's fascinating to watch how the game evolves um, and where it will go this summer. Uh, Hockey is going to be a, a great conversation piece this summer because you've got so many elite top shelf names. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko last night, the rumor comes out and now he's requested a trade out of St. Louis. Eichel wants out. Kachuk wants out. Goudreau wants out. You've got so many superstars that are, that could potent Seth Jones, so many A-level superstars that could be traded. And then you've got some pretty heavy hitters like Dougie Hamilton and free agency. Seattle's going to change the dynamic by building their inaugural roster uh, and what it looks like for them moving forward. And all of this with the cap staying flat at 81 and a half. So uh, really, really exciting summer coming for, the, for hockey fans because you're not going to stop talking about it pretty much all summer. And that's exciting. For those of us that cover it, those of us that love it, those of us that cheer for it, um, you know, and you look around at the guys that make an impact and Ross Colton was 118th pick in 2016. <laughs> and now he can now he can forever sign autographs that say Stanley Cup GWG. Yep. Uh, it's great he stuff. Scored a cup clinching goal out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So, um, you know, this is why we love hockey. And it's just going to get even more fascinating, controversial, uh, and conversational this summer. So I'm thrilled, and I'm looking forward to an exciting summer. And we'll see how Chicago handles the business end of things as they get ready for the expansion draft because they've got a very short window to figure their junk out here. Yes, (laughs) no doubt about it. I tell you, the game can keep changing. The one thing I still love, and I watched every single bit of it, stayed off Twitter, uh, there's nothing like seeing the Stanley Cup come out uh, onto the ice, seeing the guys hoist it. Um, you can kind of see in their faces and the celebration, the hard work that goes through it. Uh, to me, I've always said it, it's the hardest trophy in sports to win. Uh, and uh, my son, he's eight years old. He just became a huge hockey fan. And that was the first time, you know, he could, you know, at his age, he says, oh, Dad, I finally get to watch a Stanley Cup champion. Somebody raised it. He couldn't wait. And when Stamkos lifted that thing over his head, my, my son went crazy, and it was just awesome. Yeah. 
And um, that's the beauty of hockey. That's why we love it so much. That's why I love it so much. That moment, no matter who wins the cup, it's just a fantastic thing to watch. And I think uh, all of us as hockey fans can always relate to that. Absolutely. And, you know, again, you know, Tampa is a juggernaut, and they are the center of the sports universe. I mean, hell, I didn't even mention before that the Tampa Bay Rays threw a no-hitter the afternoon that they won the Stanley Cup. I'm getting sick of Tampa Bay, buddy. Right? So... (laughs) Even hurricanes want to be in Tampa right now. I know. Unbelievable. So, um, (laughs) no, it's Tampa's world, and we're all just living in it. But everything's going to change soon with an expansion draft, an entry draft, and free agency. So uh, here's to a very exciting summer for hockey fans, uh, those who cover it, and the athletes themselves. Because this could be, I think, the, the most significant change we have seen in an off season since Steven Stamkos ironically decided to stay in Tampa. Yep. That was the, the biggest free agent class in a long time. And Stammer shocked everyone when he said he was going to stay put. Um, did. So uh, I'm sure he's glad that he did too. Yep. Uh, so uh, we'll see what this summer holds, but I'm excited to see what happens because there's the rumor mill is piping hot right now. And uh, there's a lot of action coming. So hot stove hockey, baby. It's here. Let's go. Don't melt the ice. Mid-July. There you go. Tab is always great stuff. Appreciate your time. Uh, It's been a great run here through the Stanley Cup Finals. We're not going anywhere. Like I said, the draft's coming up and lots of headlines as the uh, NHL offseason officially begins now. So congrats to the uh, Tampa Bolts. Uh, Tab, thanks so much, man. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll catch you next week possibly, all right? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Be good. You got it. Tab Bamford, ladies and gentlemen, for the great city of Chicago, THS. Rolls out! All right, it's time to head up to the beautiful city of Montreal. Eh, maybe a little dull in the hearts right now, but it'll always be beautiful. And it's time to bring on our good buddy, our Mr. Habs himself, Mr. Costa Papalias. Costa, buddy, how you doing today, pal? I'm doing fine, Paul. Uh, you know, it might be raining outside today, but hell, it was a hell of a run. And like, if you're a Habs fan, sure you're disappointed. But you know what? Getting to the Stanley Cup final is something we didn't expect around here, so it was all a plus all the way through. Yeah, hey, bravo to uh, the whole organization, uh, the fan base. Even though <laughs> Kucherov gave you guys the business last night, <laughs> um, but uh, you're right, man. It, it was it was a hell of a run. Uh, you, you know, just like every other team, whether it was uh, Florida or uh, Carolina or the Islanders, you had to get through Vasilevsky once you got through all those other guys up front for Tampa. Guys, uh, you know, built in, uh, experienced, uh, the grit and the grind and everything else. And, and, and you guys did a hell of a job. But, uh, you know, keep on talking about it, brother. To, you know, take us through the whole experience. And, and, and I, I mean, you sound good, man. So that, that's great. I mean, I mean, I would say from an outsider, this is uh, we talked about it here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's all, it's house money, man. It's, I think that the organization's taking a turn around here, but I'm going to just throw it back to you and, and give me your thoughts, man. Yeah, it's definitely house money, man. We weren't supposed to be here. You know, that's You know, I, I had, I got into it on Twitter yesterday with Dean Blundell out of Toronto because he's trying to rag on Habs fans. I'm like, buddy, your team's been playing golf for three weeks. Be quiet. You know, it's like, we got by you in the first round. Shut up. You know? And so, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, you know, the Montreal Canadians, I mean, give them their due. 
You know, they, they played this the, this entire playoff round. You know, you're talking – their two best defensemen were no thumbs out there. You know, when talking about Weber and Petrie, you know, they went three rounds without being able to take a slap shot. You know, and that's one of their biggest weapons, especially Petrie, who can move the puck up the ice and, you know, take good shots in there. And when he's healthy, I mean, he could dig in and get physical in the offensive zone too. So you're missing that from the Canadians. You've got Brendan Gallagher, who's got – who knows how many injuries, including getting piled drive by Shergachev in the middle of this series. I mean, uh, the list goes on and on. I mean, kudos. You get look. You look at what happened. You know, the Canadians got there without their head coach. Nick Suzuki came out as the, the team's number one defenseman. There's no argument to be had. Uh, if they don't lock him down long term, I think somebody in the organization needs to have their head examined. You know, uh, Cole Caulfield. Yeah, did he look great in the final? Probably not. But you know, at the end of the day, Cole. You know, it's Cole, and, you know, he, he's going to learn. This is an experience for him. Yeah, he was disappointed, but you know what? Coming out of Wisconsin, going to two games in the AHL, then coming up to the Habs and getting to the Stanley Cup final, man, I don't know too many people that have seasons like that. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be too disappointed either. Uh, you know, overall, man, there are things that the Canadians could have done to beat Tampa that I think, from my experiences, that they could have done. But overall, given what Tampa did to them from a strategy, a strategic perspective, Man, oh, man, hats off to the entire organization. Yeah, hey, look, a crossbar here, a post here, and, you know, for Caulfield, uh, especially last night, too, you know, things changed a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, you can and, – and you guys know you can just turn around and talk to the Islanders. The Islanders uh, fans themselves feel the same way, you know, gave Tampa as, as much of a good run as they possibly could. And, and, you know, I think that's the thing with Tampa, too. You, they, could, they could run you out of the building and score six or eight goals on you. And they've also proved that they can they can win with a one goal lead, and and that's the other thing too. So I mean, fair play to uh, the Bolts. Uh, I, I want to ask you, just you know, if you can, isn't you know, just looking at Tampa Bay, what they've done here. Obviously, you know, we've been doing THS this season uh, in a fifty six game season, and, and dealing with mostly no fans and the quarantine and the divisional schedule and everything. And then you look at what Tampa did last year in the quarantine. Um, you know, Stanley Cup run there too, and the, the Habs were having a little fun there in the beginning of that as well. I mean, um, you know, being a hockey guy who's been a fan for years and covering the game, how do you put Tampa, where do you put them up there as far as these two Cups winning them back-to-back as opposed to maybe, um, you know, other champions winning it back-to-back in normal seasons? Well, look, last year was a bit of a, like, you know, it was a freak show, for lack of a better term. You know, when you look at everything that went on, how the regular season played out how long it took for the playoffs to get started and so on and so forth plus they were playing in the bubble I mean there were a lot of teams out there that didn't know what to expect didn't know how people were going to react didn't know how they were going to react and you know for any team doesn't matter if it's a strike short certain season or whether it's you know anything else beyond that Tampa won the cup everybody cheered them on great this year man the only thing that I have to say about the Tampa Bay Lightning is this given the fact that Kucherov, who God knows we all love to hate because of the fact that he's so bloody talented. The fact that he sat out the whole season, I mean, the only argument I have is that it irked me a little bit that he was allowed to play in the playoffs, given that he was on LTIR all year. Uh, you because take that if that man had to happen the- to any other team or even the Habs, I mean, it would have been the same thing, though, right? Yeah, but, but Paul, here's the thing, right? There's, there's circumventing the cap, and then there's making sure that things are done right. And what I mean by that is not the Tampa's fault. They took advantage of it. Great. Yeah. No problem. Screw it. But the league has to find a way to, you know, when these loopholes happen, like right now, there has to be some kind of amendment done to the CBA to clear that up. Because at the end of the day, if you've got a guy with the salary of a Kucherov that comes off of LTIR right to start the playoffs, 
then at the end of the day, that team that's allowed to bring him in should have to give up a couple of guys and take them off their roster so that they remain below the cap during the entire playoff. Because what's the point of having a salary cap if, okay, you know what? I've got all these guys that I've got signed, that I've got signed. I'm going to put them in the AHL, right? Two-way contracts for a bunch of guys, right? There's another way to circumvent the cap. So I'm going to take four kids that I know have played three years in the AHL and are tearing it up. I'm going to say, guys, you know what? I'm going to buy my time. I'm going to wait. When it comes time, I'm going to bring you up with the black aces. You don't count against the cap, and I'm going to screw everybody over. It's a loophole. That's essentially what Tampa did. Great. Close it is what I'm saying. The NHL saw it this year. Close it. Don't let a team bring a guy in that sits out whatever, how many games it was that we played for the regular season, 56 or whatever. If you missed all 56 games, out. If you played 42 and that's the quota that you have, that, you know, the players got to play at least, you know, the last 20% of the season to get in, fine. But set the number. There was no number there. And so Kucherov gets to come in. And I'm not being bitter here by any stretch, right? But Kucherov gets to come in and there's no penalty against the team. There's got to be some kind of repercussion there. And it doesn't matter if it's Tampa or anybody else. There's got to be some kind of repercussion, one way or the other. Yeah, again, like I said, that's going to be a, that's a league issue. I mean, the league, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. League, the league, <laughs> you know, Costa, whether it's the officiating, whether it's marketing, whether it's this or that, um, the league's got enough problems on their own uh, that they've got to handle. And, and we've talked about it on the on the on the show here, me and you, and all the guys, as far as um, you know, there's there's so many great things that the league does, and then it's it's very imperfect in a lot of other areas. This is a big part of it. Hey, look, it's, it was a major conversation. Uh, this season, there's no doubt about it, but it is. I think you know, like I said, what you said uh, earlier. You know, once the seconds tick off the clock, it's it. It's done. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, as as far as a series and you know this matchup, uh, you know nobody saw it coming. You, you would have never wrote this down on a piece of paper at the beginning of the season. You know, swinging back to your team and your franchise. I want to ask you too now. I mean, does is this um. Does this team still have concerns? What what do you, what do you do now going forward when you when you take a look at the success, whether it was uh, luck or riding emotion or you know Duchamp coming in here and, and finally figuring it out, and then obviously Richard step, Richardson stepping in there and doing a great job, you know, in between that, you know, the Rangers went through that during the you know the regular season. Doing this in the playoffs is is just another level. I think you know I, I was using the. Um, Example with the guys too is like Duchamp and the Canadians, the players, like they were trying to build the shuttle on the way to the launching pad, you know. And and you take all these young kids, and they've gained an incredible amount of experience, obviously through uh, this this the Stanley Cup run and the playoffs and everything else. But how do you look at this going forward, Costa? Now you kind of exhale a little bit. You got back there. It was a great run. It was a great fun. But looking on paper now, and, and you know this team inside and out, Bergevin, Duchamp. What do you got going on here? We know we got the expansion draft, the entry-level draft coming up here. Just a little maybe a peek inside of what you see where the Canadians are looking good to build on this, or you think maybe this is a bit of a show and they've still got a lot of things they got to tinker with? I don't think it's a show at all, man. I mean, if you take a look at them, back end between Jake Allen and Carey Price, you're fine. When you get to the defense, I think this series alone against the Tampa Bay Lightning showed that the Canadians need mobility on defense. So going out and getting guys at the deadline like Marilyn Gustafson isn't the move that the team needs to make, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, they both showed that they were sibs defensively. They were making mistakes all over the ice. And everybody was clamoring to have Romanov and Kulak in the lineup. At the end of the day, they proved to be right. So the franchise has to realize that they need mobile defensemen back there in order to be able to get the puck out the same way that the Tampa Bay Lightning do. The teams aren't that different, right? 
you got big defensemen on the back end. The only difference between, let's say, a Sergachev and 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 uh, and a Hedman between that and Weber and uh, and Petrie is the fact that Hedman is a lot bigger than, let's say, a Petrie, and all of them have more mobility than than Shea Weber. So at the end of the day, they're small little tweaks. You get a partner for Shea Weber that can skate and move the puck. You're up 100% at that point. This year, he played with Sherratt. Sure, Sherratt can carry the puck to a certain extent, but he doesn't have that elite-level mobility that you need to have with an aging guy like Weber. So they're small little tweaks. Get a couple of defensemen. They've got him in the lineup now. I mean, Romanov should not come out of the lineup ever again because that kid in the two games that he was put in the final played fantastic, and the same has to be said for Kulak. Pressure situation, and the guys played very, very well. There can't be Nobody can besmirch them for that. So on the back end, I think right now the Canadians are in a very good spot. They're going to have to see how it starts out next year. But defensively, with everybody that's currently there, I think they're going to be okay. When you look up front, what's going to happen with Phil Deneau? Phil Deneau, by far, number one defensive forward on the Montreal Canadiens. There's no argument there. But he's going to be asking for a lot of money. And for the amount of money that he's asking for, he may very well have to have to you know, look to take a pay cut because he's not producing much offensively. That's not just his fault because his line mates, when you're looking at Gallagher, he did not have the season that he normally has. Granted, he had another hand injury. But again, it comes down to, you know, it's the style of play that he has. On the other side, Thomas Tatar was a complete bust this season. I was really disappointed. And the fact that he's a, he, he's a UFA, Canadians should not even look to offer him a contract. You don't need him in the lineup right now. You've got to fully there to fully prove that he can move, that he can play well. Sure, he ran out of gas in the final, but, you know, he looks good on that wing with those two other guys. So that's a line that you can keep together so long as the is willing to take three and a half to four million as opposed to the five, six and a half that he was looking for, right? If that's not the case, then you got to look elsewhere. you got a kid like Jake Evans who can fill that role. No questions asked. So I think they're still okay on that end. Nick Suzuki, like I said, number one center, right winger, Cole Caulfield, left winger, Josh Anderson. That line is elite by any stretch of the imagination. All they need is to build a little bit of chemistry by playing together for a longer period of time. They had to fully on there a little bit too long for my liking. I would have liked to have seen Anderson get there between those two younger guys, smaller guys, because his physicality made all the difference in the last two games for Montreal, despite the loss. And then you look at... You know, everything else, I mean, the, the old men on the back end, where you're looking at Stahl, Perry, and, and, and Armia, I'd like to see Perry stay. I love his style of play. I love his grit. I love his passion. The Canadians need that type of guy, and you know he's a great guy in the room. He's, a, he's one of those glue guys that you can't let go, right? That character that I keep ask, talking about between you and me all season long. Yeah. That's the type of guy, you know Perry's going to come at a discount. He's got a few seasons left. For as many as he's got, keep him with the Habs. He's going to be a great influence on the young guys out there. You know, Armia, sure, if the price tag's right, keep that guy around as well. Eric Stahl, I'd like to see a little bit more speed up the middle. You know, he did play well. He had his moments, but you need a little bit more consistency at center. That's what you need on the fourth line. So, you know what? Give that to a kid in the AHL like a Ryan Paling, you know, who can develop at the NHL level, and you know that kid's got a little bit of talent. So, all things being equal... I don't think Montreal has to make too many moves. I think they keep going the way they are, and they're going to be fine. And in the next maybe two, three years, they may actually hit that Tampa elite level of hockey. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> we certainly will. We might have to drink a few more cases of beer to get there, buddy. Which yeah, two, three years, that's a lot of beer to drink, <laughs> bud. So, look, um, 
That's a great rundown of the squad, brother. No doubt about it. And obviously, we'll have to see what happens, who, who stays and who goes with the expansion draft uh, for the Kraken here coming into the league. Uh, with Ducharme and uh, Richardson, you know, really great stuff as far as the way they work together. I mean, how does does this group stay intact? I mean, does this pair stay intact? I, I, I don't know. You'd have to tell me if Richardson's going to be a kind of guy that might be looked at for – for his own gig down the road here next season, I'm not sure. But, you know, talk about Ducharme, Richardson, and obviously Bergevin in the front office here too. I mean, there's a lot of what this season does for the three of those guys kind of, you know, invigorate you or give you more confidence that these guys will be all right here and, and, and stick with these guys for the next couple of seasons. I mean, obviously any franchise can take a nosedive in, at any time, New York Rangers, um, but – as far as the front office and everything, but you're feeling good about these three guys. Look, you got to give Mark Bergevin credit for building the team that he had this season and making the moves that he did to make that team. I mean, granted, I mean, everybody in the league kind of handed him Tyler Toffoli for not signing him as a UFA, but I mean, all things being equal, a lot of the draft picks that he's made, you know, you look at Romanov, you look at Caulfield, you know, uh, you look at Kulak, he's another uh, Bergevin draft pick. I mean, there are a l- there's a lot of talent there. So you got to give him credit, not only building the team through the draft, but making the right moves. You got to give him credit for being patient the last few years and letting things play out and see how the team was growing. Because while everybody else, including myself, was asking for his head at certain points, including at the end of this season, uh, you know, all in all, uh, he built this team for the playoffs. And until this team got to the playoffs, you weren't able to see the fruits of his labor. Now we saw them. I think people are going to be quiet now and let the man do his work. That being said, he's up for an extension. I wouldn't give him too many years, two, three tops. I wouldn't give him a five, but I'd like to see him stay for at least a couple of more years and let him grow what he's already built. Uh, As far as the coaching staff is concerned, if they don't give Dom Ducharme the head coaching job full-time and a long-term contract, they need to have their heads examined mm-hmm. because the man did yeoman's work replacing Claude Julien, you know, in a situation that was almost impossible. And, Costa, that's, that's, that's very apparent right. to you, right? I mean, ahead, that, you, that's not something like, hey, he did a good job. I mean, you, you, mean, you know this team inside and out. You, you're completely convinced this guy is a keeper. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the fact that when he was brought in, he had a rookie coach in Alex Burroughs who was handling the power play. And in that time, the power play got better. So he allowed he, – Ducharme's a delegator. He's not the hands-on type of coach, right? When you look at practice with the Montreal Canadiens, he goes around and he talks to the players while Richardson and Burroughs run the, the practices. That's a sign of confidence for a head coach. You create the system, you create the mentality, you create the identity, and then you delegate, Right. And so he did that with Burroughs and Richardson. So the fact that he was able to have enough confidence in Alex Burroughs, who, you know, in his in his career played with the Sedin. So, you know, OK, he was on the power play in Vancouver, but by and large, he didn't do the majority of the work. But he get, did get to enjoy a lot of good coaching from from a lot of good people, including Pat Quinn, Alain Vigneault and others in Vancouver and, and you know, Torts for that matter. Yeah. So, you know, you had three coaches there who have an acumen for bringing different systems in place. And you could see each and every one of those coaches and the way that Burroughs coaches that power play. So, yeah, Burroughs stays. You look at Richardson, man. I've loved Richardson as a player, as a coach, up and down the line. Keep that man if you can. If they don't come after him for a head coaching gig, you know what? It's a blessing for the Canadians. And, yeah, Ducharme stays. 
Sean Burke did great work getting Carey Price back on his game. Sean Burke deserves all kinds of credit in replacing uh, Stefan Waite as a goaltending coach. Forgot about I mean, that. Good up, point. And up and down, man, there's scouts that go out there and pre-scout teams as you're going into a series. You know, they need a lot of credit. There's a lot of good people in this organization, man. Every single one of them has a part in getting the team to where they got. Regardless of whether or not the Canadians lost in the Stanley Cup final, at the end of the day, they got there ahead of 29 other teams. That's saying something, man. And if Montreal is not happy about that, there are a lot of people that need to have their heads examined. Yeah, look, man, I, I love it. You know me, hashtag I like these Habs. And I think, you know, they're a long way now from Claude Julien being fired and everything that was going on leading up to that. And here they are, you know, runner-up to the Stanley Cup finals and, and just an incredibly tough, um, you know, season for, for all the teams that are involved, the divisional play, and we've talked about this too. You guys had a little harder because you guys were the only division that was traveling back and forth, east and west. Um, and, and obviously, too, uh, with uh, the COVID and, and the pandemic up there, too, as far as the, the crowds and the buildings and everything else, it was uh, definitely a different experience. I mean, bravo to all the young guys. And definitely, you know, Richardson to me and, and Ducharme and, and Bellows and, and um, you know, Burke, all those guys that you brought up. And, and Bergeron, too. The thing I like about Bergeron, and I think how I look at it from down here in New York and, and being a New York Ranger fan, and obviously me and you knowing each other for years, and we've talked about it on this show and going back and forth Montreal and New York. I think this just brings a great uh, – it, it brings some respect back to Montreal. Like I said, you, you look at the firing with Claude Julien. Everything was up in the air, and it was all these questions – you guys really need to hold your heads up high, and you have so much to look forward to, and you got an opportunity to see all this young talent that you, you had, but you didn't know. They weren't you know, uh, road-tested and everything else, and you have this going forward. And i got to tell you, man, Mark Bergeron, just his passion, his love for the team, and I think that kind of extends your guys' passion as a fan base in Montreal, and it's, it's nice to see this come, kind of come back around. I know you guys fell short, but I think the future looks very, very bright in Montreal, and I think that's just great for hockey as far as Montreal, original six team, uh, the pride of Canada and Montreal, I don't care what any Toronto or the rest of the Canadian teams say, um, you guys are the Yankees of, of uh, you know, hockey and the NHL as far as championships and prestige and, and all that other stuff. And I, I got to say, you know, bravo, and I'm, I'm happy for you guys, and I'm actually really looking forward to the future of the Montreal Canadiens. I'm looking forward to it too, man. The future is bright. And, you know, you're talking about the Habs being the pride of Canada. It's not even a question of that, man. It's just a question of, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's Montreal or Chicago or the Rangers or anybody else. I want to see original six teams succeed because at the end of the day, those original six teams are the heart and soul of what the league was built on. So whether it's Detroit, the Rangers, Montreal, Toronto, Boston, I don't care. As long as they're doing well and they're succeeding, it speaks volumes towards what this league should look like. You know, even if Toronto would have gotten to the Stanley Cup final, man, which they were supposed to, I'd have been happy because you know what? An original six team made it to the final. There's been so much emphasis on success for teams in the Sun Belt and, you know, Phoenix and the West Coast and all these other markets. It's those markets that are the bread and butter of this league that need to succeed. If Major League Baseball didn't have the Yankees being perennial, you know, contenders year after year. Or whether, you know, the NBA looking at the Lakers or the Celtics not being there year after year. These teams that helped build this league. You know, you look at the Knicks, right? The Knicks are suffering right now, and the league's not the same, right? There's a lot, way too much emphasis on the Brooklyn Nets and, you know, all these other, you know, you look at the Phoenix Suns and whatnot. These teams, they weren't the staple of what the league was built on. They came later. 
those staple franchises need to have a measure of success for the league to look good. And so, you know, whether it's Montreal, Toronto, like I said, New York, Boston, I don't care. Let one of them be there. That's all that matters to me. Yeah. Original six, baby, all the way. Yeah, no, good points, man. No doubt, you know, baseball too, you know, the Dodgers, the the big cities in Chicago and everything else, it's it's all part of it. I mean, you want parity. You want to see uh, – I, I think most of the leagues right now are built that way. There's no doubt that the opportunities are there, uh, whether it's the wild cards now and football and baseball and, uh, you know, hockey now with the uh, the way the, the league is set up right now. I mean, everybody's basically got a chance. And whoever gets in the first round, you got a chance to go to the finals just like everybody else. Uh, no matter what you got going in there. Costa, before I let you go, um, I want to ask you one or two things here. Talk about Canada right now as far as, you know, obviously sports and all that other stuff isn't really important. And you see what's going on down here in the States and everything opened up and back again. And I know they're they're keeping an eye on I don't want to do a womp womp here on COVID and stuff. But, you know, is you, where where is where is Ontario, where is Canada going here in the next couple of months as far as, you know, you know, with the rest of the league possibly coming back to normal here and opening training camps and obviously the buildings are filling up back here and we all got to cross our fingers and hope it stays that way, especially here. I'm just talking from the States. But wh- where is where is Canada at right now as far as a country with regards to, um, you know, going forward here in these next few months? Nobody really knows, Paul. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, the Canadians wanting to get 10,000 people, half their capacity into the rink. And, you know, the Quebec government didn't want to do that. Doug Ford is really apprehensive about opening up things in Ontario a little bit too quick, you know, because everybody got, you know, they had, you know, that scare where, you know, the, the everything kicked kicked up again. And, you know, now we've got these variants and, you know, they went from Delta to Lambda and everybody's worried now, right, that, you know, this variant is going to start to spread. I think what this pandemic does, is it's put the fear of God in everybody. And, and, you know, like you said, it transcends sports, man. It's about our lives more than anything else. And before we open up everything to sports, let's make sure that, you know, we can get to tomorrow. I think that's more important. You know what I mean? You and I both have kids and, you know, we want that tomorrow to be there for our kids. We don't want a virus to take over our lives. So, you know, be patient, people. The sports are going to remain where they are. They're going to be there long term. Nobody's turning off these leagues. But at the end of the day, we can get turned off if we catch this stuff and we don't have an answer for them. So I think patience is key. And once we know we got a stranglehold on it, man, like anything else, you go for the jugular, you kill off the COVID virus, and then you, away you go and life gets back to normal. I like the fact that I see people out there with no masks on. I like the fact that, you know, outside the Bell Center, there were like 20,000 people. But I think it's premature. You know, Canada is still not at 70 percent vaccination. While That's you guys are, right? where are you guys as a country as far as vaccinations? We're, we're getting there. I mean, I think right now Canada is sitting at about 80 percent single vaxxed and fully vaxxed at about 65. Mm-hmm. So we're getting there. It's not, you know, it's, a, you know, better late than never, per se. You know, personally, I'm getting mine next Saturday. Not, you know, I'm getting it on my wedding anniversary. Not the prick I wanted to give my wife <laughs> on my wedding anniversary, but whatever, you know. But it is what it is, dude. You know, it's like, you know, you got to have patience. You know, I'm coming off a heart attack. I'm getting two needles for COVID. I mean, I'm all good. And as long as I don't have to worry about things and I wake and I can wake up and there's a tomorrow, I can cheer for my favorite team. I can watch my favorite sports and life goes on. And that's all that matters. 
Absolutely. Good stuff there, Costa, as always. Uh, we got the, um, we, you know, we're going to keep things rolling here through the summer as we can, you know, as far as the guys here at THS and, uh, you know, the expansion draft coming up and the entry level thing. Anything um, you can throw in as far as uh, where Montreal stands as far as the expansion draft, who you think might get covered? That's, I mean, it's a, I guess you throw it up in the air. It's a guess. And um, I'm, I'm, where is Montreal as far as draft picks? Well, we we're loaded. I mean, God knows we're, we're like usual. Montreal's going to, you know, sit in the middle of the pack in, in the first round. But, you know, Mark Bergevin has done a great job of stockpiling draft picks. If he's smart, he's going to do what a lot of other teams did. And that's, you know, get a hold of Ron Francis and talk to him prior to the expansion draft to try to make a deal to protect certain players, whether it's, you know, creating a backdoor deal where, you know, I'm going to give you my second, third, fourth pick. I'll give you, a, you know, my second, I can give you two second round picks. And so you can pick this guy off my team or whatever the case is. All these back deals all happen all the time, right? So I think Mark Bergevin should reach out to Ron, Ron Francis and make sure that he has some kind of deal in, in place to protect his players. Because like you know, there's a limit to how many players you can protect. I think at the end of the day, he should protect all his youngsters. It doesn't matter who it is on the NHL roster. Anybody with a two-way contract doesn't apply. So, you know, make sure you keep those guys protected. Make sure you don't give up anything that you know you need moving forward in the future. And that's it. You know, make sure you protect Carey Price, obviously. Shea Weber's got a few years left on his contract, although I don't think the Kraken are going to grab him. I would protect Jeff Petrie because God knows somebody like Ron Francis appreciates the way that Petrie plays. So protect him. Kulak. You know, Ben Sherratt would probably be the only defenseman I would leave unprotected, right? Because at the end of the day, you can find another defenseman that's physical and moves as well as Sherratt. You know, they're, 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 I wouldn't say they're a dime a dozen, but you could find them. You know, and up front, make sure you protect your young forwards. Make sure you protect your, your big assets up front. And the rest of the team, I mean, you know, it is what it is, man. You know how it was last time around. It was Everybody was guessing this, that, and the next thing. And lo and behold, it all fell sideways. The only thing I'm going to say other than that about the expansion draft is if I hear once Liam Neeson say release the Kraken, I'm never watching a Kraken game in my life. <laughs> you know they're going to do that, buddy. You I know, know they're going to do it, man. It's going to drive me nuts. I know. Oh, man. Hey, look. You know, it's just great that the, you know, Montreal now, like you said, you know who you want to protect. You know what you want to do. You got something to build on. Costa, man, it's been a great run through the Stanley Cup Finals. I know, like I said, we're, we're gonna we're not going anywhere here at THS. We'll we'll get back here during the draft and we'll talk some, uh, you know, all the different storylines off the ice here until the season comes back. But brother, man, it's been a great ride with you, man. I like these Habs. I like you, buddy. And uh, thanks so much for your time as always. Thanks for making me part of the team, Paul. And uh, yeah, I love this stuff, man. Keep it coming. All right, brother. Take care, man. Have a great weekend. You too. Costa Papalias, unfortunately on the losing side, folks. But, man, I think they're all winners up in Montreal, especially how the season uh, rolled out for them and, and they get to the dance. And it was uh, it was a great show up there in Montreal. And I think there's better things to come uh, for them down the road. Like I said, future's so bright. Costa and the Habs fans got to get some shades. Good stuff. All right. THS rolls out. All right, it's time to head out to the West Coast, the left coast, the best coast. Well, it all depends on where you are. Either way, it's time to talk to our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, from the great city of Los Angeles, out in the great state of California. What's up, buddy? 
You having a drink with Kucherov like everybody else is? <laughs> yeah, pour one out for Kucherov. This is, uh, yeah, everyone's celebrating. We're celebrating in California because now we can get to uh, beach life and, and I don't have anything to worry about since uh, my baseball team's bad. And, uh, you know, we got 98 days till the season kicks up, starts up again. Look at you, 98 days. <laughs> I even know. I'm like, oh, I got to tell you, even, uh, you know, doing no disrespect to the uh, Habs fans, man. I was like, in game four, I was like, oh, come on, in this thing already. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, and, you know, I love the game. It's not that. But it's, it's weird, man. It's, and, and it's obviously it's weird for us here talking hockey in July. But um, yeah. it's, uh, you know, during the times, this is it. So, Steve, man, throw it back to you, man. Bolts do it back-to-back. Incredible. Um, just a great run for them. Hell of a run for the Habs, too. And uh, just throw it back to you and get your thoughts on, on the series here and and maybe just Tampa Bay as a franchise uh, going forward. I mean, obviously the, the best team in hockey won. I mean, they've been the best team the last few years. I think they learned so much from that that whooping they took from uh, Columbus a few years back. You know, they brought in players like Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow and uh, guys like Pat Maroon. They brought in character players, and they still had their own solid core, and they – you know, you, you talk about teams, you look up and down the lineup and you say, okay, well, they have a hole in the left side here. And, you know, the goalie's a little bit leaky here. But when you look at Tampa Bay, I mean, they're just solid, you know, all the way through the lineup. Uh, just a, a really, really outstanding run. I mean, shutting, getting a shutout in every one of the clinching games uh, through this run. Just Vasilevsky's a monster. He's going to go up there as one of the, the greatest goalies of all time by, by the time he's done. And then you really have to do tip your head tip your cat to uh, cap to Montreal because they, they did what many people, I mean, most people figured they couldn't do, you know, they got past Toronto being down three, one, then they swept the jets who had just swept, you know, McDavid and the Oilers. And then they go into Vegas and uh, according to Kucherov, that was their, their championship and they take care of <laughs> Vegas. And then, you know, no one gave them a puncher's chance against uh, the, the lightning, but they, they held their own carry price, you know, he, he wasn't his best, but he's still better than most goalies out there. Uh, it made it uh, interesting to watch at times. Uh, but, again, the, the best team did win. Just, you know, great, great playoffs for everyone. And, and you know, I, Tampa's going to, you know, John Cooper said it. You know, this he wanted to do it because this team is going to look a lot different. We know they're of the, you know, their cap issues. We know they're, they're over the cap with a, a, healthy, a healthy Kucherov in the lineup. They're going to lose some players. And, you know, uh, if this is the end of the run, it's been a heck of a run. But you got to imagine they still got enough of the core there that this team will still be a force to rec- be reckoned with next year and beyond that. So uh, just just a great, great team. Love watching them. Love the way they play. Just uh, really, really, really fun playoffs. Yeah, kind of unprecedented too, uh, Steve, with, uh, you know, the, the quarantine bubble last year and. Uh, you yeah. know, t- even Tab brought it up earlier too about uh, you know in, you know at Joe too well just at ten months you know to turn this thing back yeah. around. Um, I think it was just... two hundred and fifty six days or something like Look that, or eight hundred eighty six days, days between <laughs> <laughs> between championships. I mean, just Tampa Bay. I mean, I'm looking at the the, the Super Bowl, two Stanley Cups, a World Series appearance. I mean, geez, enough. Uh, what a run for Florida. <laughs> They're getting like Boston, man. We, we don't need that. Yeah, no kidding. We're getting sick of it. <laughs> now, uh, fair play to them uh, as well. And, and, you know, Steve, we obviously talking just hockey in and out and talking about, uh, you know, changes being made in the in the front office. And, and obviously, uh, you know, GM's always trying to make, uh, you know, pivotal moves. Uh, you know, every Stanley Cup champion that wins is usually a guy or two that they added there at the end of the season. 
uh, to yeah. help things out. Uh, your, your, your take here on, on Brisbane, the, the GM job he's done here with Tampa Bay, you know, taking over for, um, you know, Steve Eisenman, who's, you know, back in Detroit and everything else. But a uh, big yeah. part of it, you look at, you know, Bergevin was a big story here with Montreal in terms of their run and, and, and how this maybe has turned things around for their franchise. Obviously, Lou Lamorello, which you're very familiar with, too, uh, you know, on the island here, and uh, Zajac and Palmieri. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But uh, get your take there in terms of the uh, the moves that uh, Tampa made here at a couple additions here. You know, even getting Maroon. And I was talking about this with the other guys, so I'd love to get your opinion as well. Well, yeah, I mean, you saw a lot. They, you know, they, they were a team that, that they could score with the best of them. But when the game started to get, you know, into the, you know, the playoff type atmosphere where it gets a little bit grittier, they, that's where they, they had their weaknesses and they addressed it by bringing in a guy like Maroon, a guy like Blake Coleman from the, from the Devils and Goudreau from, uh, gosh, I wasn't, I'm not sure if he was with the Sharks or, Tan- or Toronto at that point, but, um, you know, a guy like that. And those guys were instrumental. And then this year he goes out and gets Savard from Columbus and, you know, these little things where they don't seem like much, more like death moves, but they are what complete the, the the championship puzzle. It was just pushing all the right buttons. You see a lot of different moves that really don't pan out to much of anything. You know, sometimes at the deadline, it seems like GMs are just making moves to make moves. And these ones were very strategic. They filled a role. And, and in the end, they paid off tremendously. They got, you know, two Stanley Cups. And... um just, you know, again, just a, all around from, from top to bottom in the organization. They just did everything right. And, uh, man, I wish the, you know, the Devils could follow this a little bit or some of these other teams, the Rangers, who, you know, some of these teams, if they could just take a, a little bit out of the uh, the Lightning's playbook, you know, we'd, we'd have a, a really, really, really uh, exciting next decade or so of hockey because <laughs> they did it the right way. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, Steve, looking back at, at the series here, and, and obviously this season, the 56 games, you know, fans coming back into the building towards the end of it, obviously the divisional play, you know, um, just, you know, as a fan here, and we, we're, you know, we're knocking on wood here, and, and it looks like, you know, we're going to get a normal hockey season, as you uh, said before, 98 days, I think, specifically. <laughs> so, um, you know, the expansion draft coming up and everything yeah. else. But, you know, as a, as a longtime hockey fan, too, I mean, just, just just your take on on you know I mean I know we have to deal with the officiating but that ha- kind of happens every year it's just it's just part of it um, but you know with the NHL you know as far as you know logistically making everything happen and, and as fans we talked about this last year coming out of the quarantine cup and and what Tampa had to do to do that uh, to win that and then like I said most of the guys come back here and they do it again and they get to do it in front of their fans what I'm getting at is here is uh, this season. Um, you know, how the NHL put it together. And, you know, I personally feel the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win in sports, hands down. But you kind of, I mean, how do you feel about Tampa winning these two particular cups under the circumstances yeah. of COVID and the pandemic and everything else? Yeah, you know, I, I heard some people kind of talking about this and, and the legitimacy and, you know, what, is it, what does it mean? And gosh, and I know we talked about it last year, the, the whole idea of, of the bubble and no fans and being away from your family and isolated uh, for all that time just made the, the weight of that entire playoff run last, you know, how you say last year, I mean, you know, right. a few months ago um, <laughs> made it all that much more incredible to be able to do that. And then to have the quick turnaround um, to come back, do it again, play a regular season, go through the grind again. Um, you know, you having the fans back and obviously had to give you that extra, that extra energy, but to be able to, keep your body 
um, and your mind fresh and healthy and avoid any like major, you know, catastrophes and the injured end. Uh, I think, it, I mean, these two have got to be some of the hardest Stanley Cups to win in history just because of the sheer magnitude of a global pandemic and the lockdowns and the isolation and just the, you know, the limitations that they had from month to month and things changing. I don't know. I just think it's an incredible feat. I, you know, again, hats off to those guys and what they were able to do to sacrifice time away from family and friends and to be able to just, you know, come together as a group like that and and do this. I just think it's remarkable. And uh, I don't think anybody can take anything away from them. Uh, I think if anything, it just solidifies them as one of the the great teams of the last 20 years. Yeah. And, you know, you you think back of when uh, I, I believe it was Jamie Benn. I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure it was him in the in the post conference when when Dallas had lost to Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. and he was he was just absolutely devastated. And you know when when Tampa was in the corner last night, and these guys were just I, I almost think I saw McDonough like crying. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, to to win this. Now you flip it on the other side here. I want to talk to, about the Habs here a little bit with you too. Yeah. A lot of young guys. It was a magical run for the Habs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used the anomaly before or the analogy to, I don't know if analogy and anomaly are the same words. I don't know, Steve, <laughs> I'm just not that smart. But anyway, I was talking about it with Tab. Like, there was almost like, you know, Ducharme here uh, coming on board. They were kind of like, you know, building the, uh, you know, the shuttle uh, with the instructions on the way to the launching pad, you know. So you have mm-hmm. all these young kids. Yeah. So, you know, these guys can take that experience. It was a great thing for the Montreal, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the 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 franchise here, and, and, and kind of looking forward. It's a young thing. Maybe most of these guys, like I said, they uh, they they obviously hadn't experienced this before, and it might be less of a thing. Whereas you had veterans on Dallas last year, and, and know how hard it is to get there, and it was just devastating. I know it's equally devastating to be so close, guy like Carey Price and everything else, Shea Weber and stuff. Um, but what I'm getting at is just just um, you know what that meant to, to win this Stanley Cup for those guys and, you know, maybe just your, your take on the Habs and, and, and what they did here during this run and maybe it's it's not as crushing as it was to say the guys on the Stars last year. Yeah, I know. That, I mean, obviously there's guys on that team that are crushed, but you when you have a team that's that young and they have a lot of young guys and a lot of young guys have played really, really key roles in this run, you know, it's all about gaining that experience. And, and they were almost so young that they really didn't know any better. I mean, a guy like Cole Caulfield is used to winning and used to being one of the best guys and being a guy that's competing uh, for championships and things like that. So, I mean, it's just what he was used to. I think, and if anything, it's a, it's a valuable lesson for them going forward because now they kind of understand and they can see that, you know, what it takes to, to get through this. But, I mean... They also can't take it for granted because there are guys who go, you know, don't don't even get this opportunity their entire career or they they have the opportunity early in their career and they never, you know, even sniff a chance like this again. So, I mean, there's a lot of good things that Montreal can build off of with the young guys. I know it's got to be, you know, for a guy like Weber, a guy like Price, it would have just solidified their, you know, their careers to, to, you know, put this little cherry on top. But it doesn't take anything away from what they've accomplished or what they, you know, can accomplish in the future. But. Man, I think that uh, for Montreal to be able to do this is just going to help, you know, propel them into that next step. They were a team that was kind of in transition. Are they good? Are they not good? Um, But, uh, you know, just a huge step forward. And I think for the city of Montreal and Canada in general, they'd be able to follow a team from from start to finish through the playoffs was huge because they've been 
you know, it's it's as if we're in the early stages of the pandemic in some of those places. So it was just a, I think it was good and cathartic for them to be able to enjoy this ride as well. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we talk about, you know, going forward and, and the, the drafts coming up and, you know, returning to a normal uh, NHL season here. And we'll just kind of keep it right here as far as sports is concerned and, and with the NHL mm-hmm. and, and obviously training camps opening up here in, in, in real, literally a few weeks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you yeah. got to – it's it's a little concerning because you know Canada's still kind of struggling up there, and you yeah. wonder how mm-hmm. um, they're going to have to deal with that. And we'll get to it, uh, you know, from there. Um, but you know, Montreal getting so close, you know, they were the last Canadian team in '93 to win the cup. Yeah, they weren't the last ham- team to be in the finals. Obviously, Vancouver getting there, and I, I don't think anybody has been there since then. But um, Ottawa. Know, Oh, yeah, you're right. Ottawa, too. Yeah. yeah. See, look at you, man. Well, that's why I have you on the show, man. It's, 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 you, know, you know all these things. Um, all of them. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, I guess what I'm, you know, you you, you, you just enjoy this uh, as, a, as a fan. I think the great thing about this ending, too, for us who were joking around in the beginning, too, is that, like, you know, now all the other teams, it's a clean slate. You get excited about yeah. some of the... Uh, you know, the, uh, the off-ice stuff that might start happening here and trades and free agency and the draft. And obviously we got the exciting thing about the expansion draft this year. We got another team coming in in Seattle. Yep. Um, it's great. So I want to ask you one more time, what do you take away from this season? And, and one of my favorite things, too, you know, uh, and I was telling Tab before, too, my, my son just became this huge hockey fan in the last few months. He got so excited. Yeah. Uh, he had never seen a, you know, he's been playing uh, Xbox hockey and he plays outside and everything. And, you know, he was always asking, Dad, what's, you know, is, is, is you know, whoever wins the cup, is the captain going to hoist it over his head and everything? And, and when Stamkos yeah. finally put that thing over his head last night, my son went nuts. And I'm going to be 52, man. And I stayed off the phone, and when those last, you know, seconds ticked off and everything else, that still, to me, is one of the greatest things about the Stanley Cup. Oh, absolutely. Just sitting mm-hmm. back, watching these guys, and you know as a fan, and the guys who actually get from playing midget minor hockey and actually go all the way and get drafted and then get in there, and, and to see these guys hoist that cup and pass it around, and uh, that's still the magical thing about hockey, and it was great to see that on my son there yesterday. Yeah. Uh, just getting excited about it, too, as well. Just so you, your take, too, on, on, on that vibe, just, you know, being a fan of hockey and the Stanley Cup. Well, you know, they ran this great commercial throughout the the, the playoffs where, it, you know, they it says they leave it all on the ice. And it's just these images of them throwing their equipment off and, you know, going into the pile. And it's like a close-up of, like, the gloves and the sticks and the helmets. I'm getting chills talking about it. I just love that about hockey i just love the emotion i just love what it takes for them to to reach that pinnacle and you know even you know last season with no fans and stuff like that there's just there's just something really special about hockey in general but playoff hockey specifically and i think for you know for me it's gotten me through you know a lot of things in my life in the last you know we've talked about things the last few months the last Mm -hmm. year uh it's just been really great to be able to have that to like be a part of and to enjoy and to just, you know, go along for the ride. And I think it's been good for, you know, a lot of people to be able to enjoy that stuff. When, when everything was shut down and there was no sports and and things were looking real bleak, you know, people were, there was nothing for people to really to to hold on to and, and to be able to, to enjoy these last couple of runs and stuff. It's, it's been great. I think hockey really took some steps forward because, um, uh, they were, you know, one of the first teams to get in there and get it done and get it taken care of and get a season finished. And they got some extra eyes on it. And now they got ESPN and TNT coming in. I think, 
you know, if anything comes out of this, it's that hockey in general is going to be stronger for it. Uh, I think the fan base is going to grow. I think you're seeing more casual fans become diehard fans. And it's because of those moments you speak of. It's because of the hoist in the cup and the, the celebrations and the gloves and stuff. I mean, that is just, that's stuff people can like tangibly feel and like get themselves involved in. And, and I, I just think hockey's in a, in a good spot and I'm, I'm, you know, I don't care if there's some, some ads on the helmets. I don't want obviously jerseys covered in it, but whatever makes this game stronger and gets it into more homes and gets people out, out to the rinks is, is I'm all for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about what the future holds for the sport. I think the NHL did a great job of representing itself. Yeah. Look, it's and not did, perfect. Go ahead. I was just going to say real quick about the refs. I, I you know, it, it gets amplified in the playoffs because there's less games to watch. You have more people watching the games and obviously it calls mean more and stuff. But I think the refs for the most part, I mean, the game is the, it's faster than it's ever been before. And you're asking these referees, some that are, you know, much older than these players to keep up with the play. You know, they have the aid of, of replay and stuff like that. But I think for the most part, and I think Gary Bettman was trying to stick up for the refs by saying we have the best officials in the world. And yet, yeah, do they miss calls? Yes. But I think for the most part, these guys do a heck of a job. And I give them kudos because, man, like, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. And I'm playing with younger guys. And I can't even keep up with the guys on my own team. So just for these <laughs> referees to be able to, to do this stuff, I just think, you know, the NHL, it, it's constantly evaluating itself. And that's one thing that they're, you know, they do a good job as, as well. So yeah, I just I was, wanted to say that. No, it's good. I, and I was about to say it, it's not perfect and, and no league is. Yeah, uh, and and that was going to reflect there on the officiating and everything else, and uh, you know maybe they just got to recruit some younger guys and and get them right. down there a little faster. I tell you, right before the the seconds clicked off there, when Montreal was down in the corner, right mm-hmm. before it got cleared out, man, it was like, I mean, it been it's been going on all play, playoff series long with the cross checking. It's basically yeah. assault, but man, yep. it was there was three or four guys there. They were just getting their last shots in, and it was just. They could have called twelve penalties right there no in that kidding. last that last little melee, and it was it was like a car crash. Like, oh my god! Yep. Uh, and then I turned around, and obviously it all it, it ends and wraps up. And you know what? And that's the last thing I was going to ask you on this too, uh, Steve. You know the 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 post game conferences and the the drinking <laughs> and the, the I mean yeah. Kucherov was classic. He was legendary yeah. last night. Um, you know, you when you when you see the abuse that these guys take on the ice. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. hard it is, and they definitely played through injuries. There's no doubt about it. And it's it, you you nailed it. It's it's fast. We've talked about how difficult it is. It's difficult for defensemen to to play in this league right now in terms of what kind of calls uh, are going to be made and so on and so forth. And it is brutal. It gets worse. A lot gets let go in the uh, in the playoffs and everything else. And I, I just it really kind of cements more than anything how hard it is to win this trophy. But at the end of the day. You know, you can go with the pros and cons of the unprofessionalism afterwards as far as the these guys. I mean, you could just see it. And maybe f- going forward, it'll be a little more professional, you know, when yeah. you know we get this normal season going here. But, you know, seeing these guys, these two championships that these guys just won back-to-back, it's hard enough to do mm-hmm. in a regular, a regular situation. But I really think you got to just let these guys go. Because they, oh, yeah. they gave up and sacrificed not not only on the ice, but away from their families and everything else. It was brutal. The schedule was compact this year, too. They oh, were yeah. playing every other night. So I'm all for it as far as this season, but I want to get your take on, on the on the hoo-ha afterwards too, as well. 
you know, Kucherov is a guy that doesn't really give you much, you know, during the season or during the playoffs. He's, you know, but I just think there, there's like, it's like relief. It's like, like popping the cork on the champagne bottle and that pressure comes out and it just all flows out. And I think you've got a lot of that from the players. It's like now they're not preparing for another game. They're not, you know, trying to nurse an injury so they can get back on the ice. They're, they're, it's the exhilaration. It's the relief. It's over got a little time to unwind and then you know the filter comes off you get a little of the bubbly flowing and things come out and I, and I do think you know being in those zoom calls it does make it a little bit more impersonal and stuff like that so I think if you get more more uh you know reporters and stuff in their face they're maybe not so as loose lip but I'm all for it let the guys be you know be themselves uh have a little fun I mean it wasn't nothing overtly disrespectful that he said or whatever I just thought it was kind of funny I mean maybe in Montreal they think it was too funny but um you know i i think after what these guys have been through let them have their fun yeah no it's um yeah i mean i'm kind of old school but like i said i I laughed that was it was like i said i think in this (laughs) instance what these guys went through the last two years uh it's because it's a it's totally different it was i I firmly believe it was a different different way to win it these last two years for Tampa Bay and, 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 you know, good on them. They did it. And, you know, here we go. We move forward. So, uh, Steve, we're going to obviously talk more and more on this. I'm sure there'll be more storylines coming out of the celebrations here with Tampa Bay. And, uh, we can get into, uh, you know, the financials of it and the payroll and the Kucherov. And I think all that stuff to me, I, I'm real <laughs> quick on that, you know, if that was on any, uh, any other team's foot, you know what I'm saying? If Montreal and, you know, uh, Tab brought up a good point too, when they beat, uh, Tampa a few years ago, it was the same thing with the money and everything. You know, I'm talking yeah. about specifically what, you know, I look, I look at it this way, lose to the best players. If it's there, any team would have taken an opportunity. It doesn't matter. Sure. I mean, it, for any fan base to be complaining about one of the fan base getting away with one thing, believe me, if it was you, it was your team on the other side, you would have welcomed it as well. Um, but all this stuff is kind of kind of pan out here, um, you know, coming uh, down the road here, and we'll get into it more and more as as we go on. And and I guess as far as off the ice news too, as far as the Devils and you know the expansion draft and the um, and the entry draft level entry level draft coming up, Steve. Anything that's um, anything from Devils camp that you're seeing one way or the other, and and obviously um, can't wait to to talk about the West Coast teams here. You know, with Seattle coming in uh, with yeah. you, that's going to be a lot of fun too. But uh, any other couple things you want to drop here uh, off ice uh, away from the finals uh, before we get into it in the coming weeks with the draft? No, I mean, I there's a lot of chatter about the Devils. They're expected to be uh, a busy team. I, I know there was that report that came out that the Devils were not opposed to moving that number four pick. Uh, if they could get a you know a young top four defenseman in, but I I think their young top four defenseman is in that draft, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. Um, you know, as far as the expansion draft, there's a there's a number of different guys that you know the Devils sh- should want <laughs> Seattle to take. Um, <laughs> my my hope is that a guy like Will Butcher is one of the guys they take. I, I would you know I know PK Subban is the name that's been out there, but I'd like to see. We've talked about this before. I'd like to see him stay in New Jersey. I just like what he brings to the locker room and to the organization. Um, but man, I, we're about to get into the silly season. Once they, you know, tomorrow the buyout window opens up and then, you know, they have the, you know, the, the deadline for the, the, uh, the protection list is next week. And then you've got the expansion draft and then you've got the draft and you got free agency and it's all happening with the next couple of weeks. I mean, I mean, we, we got done with a great playoffs and a great Stanley cup. But for, for me and for a team that hasn't, that sucks and doesn't make the playoffs very often, this is my 
this is what I look forward to. This is the time of the year where like, you know, hope springs eternal and there there's optimism and things could look great going into next season. So that's what I'm really getting pumped for. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, real quick, sticking on uh, PK here. It's mm-hmm. crazy, man. He's he's 32 years old, right? Yeah. And um, to me, he doesn't seem, he seems a lot younger to me than that. And, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and looking back yesterday at the the great thing that the NBC did about the last 15 years, you know, when they took over, too, I'm sitting here going, my God, it's 15 years? Yeah. It's, it seemed like a, uh, a blink of an eye. So you think about guys like PK, uh, the guys, you know, when Colby and, and, um, and uh, Sydney come into the league and everything else, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, you think of all the guys in between the drafts and all the Stanley Cup winners and stuff, and, and you get to where we are right now and, and, and with the Devils. And yeah, you love a guy like PK Subban. It, it's great here. What, can we focus in here real quick, just on what is what do you do with with, with PK? Obviously, you want to keep him here, but on a, mm-hmm. I don't know where his contract is, Steve, and maybe you could let me know. But d- if the guy turns around, do you want to try and maybe help this guy go to another contender, or what? Where, where do you think PK? You know, wraps up his career here one way or the other. Yeah, you know I. I think that I think that's why the talk of, of him being the, somebody that Seattle would be interested in because he does have that marketability and uh, likability that obviously he wouldn't be a contender. But PK has a year left, you know, and um, if he doesn't get taken on the draft, I think he's just he he's a he's one of the definitely a player who who can be dangled at at a you know especially if he has a rebound year and he's playing solid. I mean, he did not have a bad year last year. He just you know he assumed a role and he, he was pretty solid in it and. Um, if he has another season like that, maybe he starts potting a few more, uh, you know, goals or something. I think he's somebody that could be a valuable asset for the Devils moving forward. And maybe he is somebody that you want to get, um, you know, uh, have a chance to, to at a championship or to make a playoff run. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could see he's doing stuff on ESPN. He's got a big social media presence. And sometimes, you know, it's it does. He's getting, re- is that what, he's getting ready for his post-career, man. There's no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, it's a is that what PK even wants or is he, you know, is he enjoying his time playing and just doing his, as other things outside of the rink? I don't even know. I, I guess it's really going to be up to him how his career pans out. If, you know, he decides, you know, you know, New Jersey or Seattle or wherever is a place he'd want to be and finish his career. And that, and, you know, that will kind of speak volumes to where his, his head is at. But I, I think if he does remain with the devils, he, he's definitely somebody who can help him in the first half of the year and, and could help him in the second half of the year if, if you know they're out of it again and they dangle him and maybe get an asset back or two or or whatever but man yeah that's a very interesting question i i it's it's really up to pk he's kind of an enigma when you think about it yeah look hey look i love him here on the east coast uh i think it's great here for to have him you know here in new jersey and heck i wouldn't mind seeing him in the red white and blue sweaters of the blue shirts but i tell you what man <laughs> you know seattle that would be just uh super and, you know, even with yeah. Duncan Keith thinking about, you know, getting out of mm-hmm. town too, um, talk about starting a franchise off. And, and, man, if you could see that happening where a guy like P.K. Subin and Duncan Keith, <laughs> you know, in, in Seattle cracking, it'd be just – even if it's for a year or two, man, it would be yep. something else. You know, they'd definitely be competitive. I mean, you know, and, sure. and that's why I can't wait about talking about, the you know, the Western Conference here and, and obviously uh, California hockey going forward. You know, the Kings, Sharks, Ducks, you know, Seattle – yeah, could have some fun in that division the next two years. It definitely will be interesting. I mean, you got a lot of a lot of youth and a lot of uh, a lot of question marks, and you know, it, man, it, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be fun, especially getting back to a, a regular schedule. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. 
Absolutely. Steve, it's always fun talking to you, brother. It's great stuff. Um, you know, we're going to keep this thing going here over the next couple of weeks into the drafts and stuff, and, and we'll, we'll follow the headlines and the storylines and the trades and UFA and all that other stuff coming up. But uh, Sweet. thanks, as always, brother, for your time here on, on the hit on the Cups and the run through the playoffs, man. It's been a lot of fun. But uh, say again, hello to everybody in California for me, brother, and we'll get this going uh, down the road. Thanks so much, pal. As always, buddy, it's a pleasure. Talk to you soon. You got it, man. Steve Palumbo in the great state of Cali, baby. Love it as always. And that's a wrap on the Stanley Cup Finals edition here of That Hockey Show. On behalf of yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, Mr. Joe Yurden in Buffalo, Mr. Ted Bamford out in Chicago, Mr. Costa Papalias up in the great city of Montreal, and as always, Steve Palumbo out in L.A. and California. Thanks so much for listening, tuning in. We'll be back soon. Keep following us at that hockey show, THSradio.com. We appreciate the support. Loving this for you guys, doing this for you guys, and love you guys supporting us and, and listening. So until next time, keep your head up. Congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Montreal Canadiens for a great Stanley Cup Finals. Good stuff. Be good out there. Stay safe. THS is out. <laughs>